0: And we're live, friends from around the world. Welcome to the great debate. Not a debate where both sides work to defeat one another. Rather, a debate where both sides come together to find common ground. That's what makes this debate great. I've been waiting for this one for a long time now, and I'm very happy this day has finally arrived. There is a few competing definitions of anti-Semitism, the main one being IRA, I-H-R-A. This has been a definition of anti-Semitism which I would say most Jews were in consensus about that this is how we should define anti-Semitism, but it was not without controversy. A few months ago, a new definition called the JDA definition was was published. It's fair to say that The publishing of this uh, created quite a bit of controversy as well. That's exactly why we're going to have this conversation. Um, These difficult and important conversations is exactly what we're here to do. Our guests today, Ken Stern and Derek Pensler, both were involved in one way or another in IRA and JDA definitions of anti-Semitism. We're going to have probably around an hour chat and then we'll take some audience questions. We'll try to get to as many questions as possible. Of course, we're going to prioritize super chats. Before we get started, a big shout out to our Patreon visionary members: we have Trivium Energy Pty Ltd, Sog Cannabis, Max Marine, Geffen Posner, Adam Albilia, Maya, Adam Becker, and our one and only champion member, Rajia. If you want to support the show and become a patron, you can find information in the description. If you're new to, if you're new to Sulha like and subscribe. We're doing these live streams every week. Our main focus is to reconcile between Israelis and Palestinians. But as you see, we also do important conversations on anti-Semitism. Um, it's good to have you all here. So we're going to get started. Brief introductions with, uh, uh, from Ken and Derek. Uh, please introduce yourselves and also explain your involvement in, in the respective uh, definitions you were a part of. Uh, Ken, we could start with you.
1: Sure. Hi, my name is Ken Stern. I'm currently the director of the Bard Center for the Study of Hate. Um, and for 25 years, I was the American Jewish Committee's expert on antisemitism. And I uh, was the lead drafter of what was then called the EUMC definition of antisemitism, which came out in 2005. I could explain in a little more detail, if you like, why it was created and what its intentions were. Um, but it was uh, basically after the second intifada and there was a, uh, a need for having uh, at least a coordinated effort in various European countries that were doing data collection and other uh, types of work around anti-Semitism to know what to look for and know what to exclude. And that's how it came about. I was, I was the lead director. There were other people doing the politicking but it was in 2005 Um, then what happened was that it was contentious as you said Um, there were various different iterations of it and then the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance took the the text of the EUMC definition and adopted it as their own and that's been what's been promoted so I I was the drafter of the uh, definition and its examples that's now known as the uh, IRA definition (laughs) Um, I think you're muted. I'm
0: on, yeah, I'm on mute. I, I said thank you. Uh, thank you, Ken. Uh, Derek, all you.
2: Well, thanks for inviting me. Um, so I'm a professor of history at Harvard. I teach combination of Jewish history, uh, European, and uh, world history. And my approach to the Jerusalem Declaration on Antisemitism is very different from Ken's in that I was not uh, one of its drafters. Uh, I learned about the declaration several months before it was issued. I was contacted by one of its chief drafters, which was a committee of about, there was a central committee of about six, seven people and a larger committee of about a dozen, I think, that actually coordinated drafting the document. And I was contacted several months before it was issued to ask if I would support it. They were going to have a small group of people support it. that wanted my name on it. And I read it and I instantly liked it. I thought that the Jerusalem Declaration of Anti-Semitism dealt with a very serious problem. I thought it dealt with it in a remarkably clear and distinct way. And I just want to point out that although most of the controversy about the Jerusalem Declaration focuses on its final section, which is about kinds of tough conversations we can and should have about Israel and Palestine that are not to be considered automatically anti-Semitic, I actually also like those portions of this document that deal with anti-Semitism as a real problem and a real harm and talk about the situations in which we can assume that certain conversation about Israel and about Jews broadly understood is anti-Semitic. So I thought that this document did a great job in both respects. I found it to be clearer, simply more concrete than the IRA definition. And that goes above and beyond questions of how the IRA has been used or exploited over the last few years that Ken can talk about as well. So I just want to point out that my reaction then was one of a, uh, not a participant, someone who really liked the JDA when it came before me. And although I can't speak on behalf of all 300 plus people who signed it, I I do know a fair number of the people who signed it. So as our conversation goes on today, I think I can talk about certain common concerns that people have had about the IRA and that led people to find the Jerusalem declaration to be something that is both clearer, in some ways more concrete, but also better at fostering open conversation about the most controversial issue today, which is Israel-Palestine.
0: Thanks, Derek. Um, so, um, Ken, when when you I don't know if you learned about JDA when it came out or you heard about it before it came out, but were you open to a new competing definition, or did you think it would just muddy the waters to what anti what anti-Semitism actually is?
1: Let me go. I'll answer that, but let me go into a little bit of the detail of the, the creation of the what was then called the working definition EUMC, now IRA definition, and then you'll under, be able to understand my answer a little bit more. So, when the Second Intifada started and you started seeing an uptick of hate crimes against Jews, particularly in Western Europe, but not only there, uh, the group, the EUMC, had a responsibility. Of uh, looking at issues of racism, xenophobia, anti-Semitism, and they put out a report in 2004 um, that uh, had, you know, was basically correct in terms of what its findings were. It wasn't just traditional white supremacists that was that were responsible. There were some young Arab and Muslim uh, folk from you know around Paris and other places that were also participating in the anti-Semitic hate crimes, and. What the EUMC said was two things. One is we have a problem because our data collectors in these different points don't know what to put in and what not. So it was more of guiding of that, and then also they said, well, temporarily we're going to use a uh, definition that looks at stereotypes about Jews, and that struck me as problematic not only because it, it's re- the stereotypes are a reflection of what antisemitism is. But it was addressing the political problem that, that uh, Derek was alluding to in a way as well, which is what happens if a Jew is beat up on the streets of, of London or Paris or so forth. It's a stand-in for an Israeli. And what the EUMC said was basically, if that person that did the attack had these views about Jews, then transfer them to Israelis and retransfer them back to the person in front of them, but in reaction to something Israel did. Uh, that's anti-Semitism, but if they were just upset at Israeli policy and beat up the Jew in front of them, that's lamentable, but not anti-Semitism. I and mean, we just saw recently in various cities why that's, that tact was a problem. And in fact, um, at AJC, we had the head of the UMC come and speak about this. And a couple of weeks beforehand, there was a bombing of a Montreal uh, Jewish day school in retaliation for an Israeli assassination of a Hamas leader, so not anti-Semitism. So one of the main things, um, reasons for the, the definition, in addition to giving data collectors, was to take away this whole idea uh, of, from hate crimes. Of uh, Did the person really hate Jews or not? Um, we had the situation where, <clears throat> you know, there was a, a Jew who was kidnapped because, Jews were rich and held for ransom and so forth. And there was debates in the press. Is that a positive stereotype, a negative stereotype. So what we wanted to do was to take some of the jurisprudence from the U.S. hate crime law and said, if somebody is picked on because they are Jewish or seen aligned with Jews, and that's the um, intent rather than the motivation, that should be counted. And that was of particular importance. And I, you know, we can talk a little bit more about how that's been institutionalized or not with the EUMC and IRA and so forth. I think mostly not. But to me, that's uh, one of the, the problems. As much as I respect the people with the JDA uh, definition um, and, the, and the reasons why it came about, we could talk a little bit more. I agree with some of the, the drafters, as Derek does, of the JDA about why the our definition has been misused against uh, speech about Israel. But I think one of the deficiencies is that it really doesn't give clarity in terms of issues of, about hate crime. It talks about uh, attacking a synagogue. Well, sometimes synagogues are attacked uh, for anti-Semitic reasons. Sometimes synagogues are attacked because it's a disgruntled employee. Um, so I think there are things in each of the definitions um, that are useful. But uh, to say one you know, should should answer every question about anti-Semitism uh is wrong. And I think we need to have a larger conversation about how we think about anti-Semitism beyond the definitions too.
0: Thanks, Ken. Uh Derek, any any response or would you like to build off what Ken said?
2: Sure, sure. I mean I agree with Ken first off that no single document, whether it's the IRA or the um or the JDA, or there's another one out there called the Nexus document. I think no single document should be adopted as like the IRA has it's been adopted by governments. It's been adopted by state and national governments. It's been adopted by NGOs. It's been adopted by corporations. And it's done in a way, in a way it makes things easier for institutions. It's like, well, we don't have to worry about semitism. as we're just going to adopt this, this document. Um, I think that, Different institutions are gonna have to have different conversations about what kinds of speech are allowed and not allowed. There's constitutionally protected speech in the United States or in Canada, we have our charter rights. I'm actually in Canada at the moment and um, I identify at least as much as a Canadian as an American, so I kind of have to go back and forth because it's two very different legislative traditions. Canada has a much lower bar for hate crime legislation. I mean, it's still hard to get convicted of hate speech in Canada, but there is such a thing as hate speech. Um, And I don't think that any document produced by an NGO should somehow become um, law anywhere in the world. But what I I, I do think is that the IRA definition or the JDA can be good to think with. They can be thinking tools. And um, I do think that, you know, if a synagogue is attacked, um, unless it it was clearly a case of, you know, yeah, a disgruntled employee or something like that. Um, it's a good, I think it's a good working assumption that it's a hate crime. I mean, it, it might turn out not to be. But um, and that's something that the JDA does say that it is hatred of Jews as Jews. It's quite clear about that at the beginning. The Jerusalem Declaration does make that distinction between, you know, somebody you get in a fight with someone who doesn't like you as a human being or, you know, because of some personal dispute. Uh and you get into some kind of an altercation because of someone imputing to you certain characteristics because you are because you are Jewish. Um, and I agree about the. And I just want to make something very clear because I'm, I, I'm I'm unhappy with how the conversation about the IRA versus the JDA has rolled out over the last several months. And I admit that you know some people who favor the JDA maybe they've been a bit hard on the IRA definition, but I think the issue is not the definition itself. It's not the IRA definition itself. It's how it's been used. We all know the law is a living thing. Uh, It's not the piece of paper. It's how people read it. Because if you actually read the words, and I'm encouraging everyone who's listening and watching today, read both definitions. They're both available online. They're very short. If you read the IRA, it, it leaves so much unsaid. It's actually quite vague in many ways. And what the JDA is trying to do is fill in some of those gaps and that's my concern really about the ira so much is um is what it doesn't say or what it says in a vague fashion which then people have used or instrumentalized to chill i think uncomfortable speech but speech that might be very important indeed necessary uh, particularly about israel and about israel palestine
0: so uh, Ken, real quick, because sure. we do have a we do have a super chat, and we try to prioritize these. And I think this will actually lead into uh, what we're talking about. Uh, Raja, thank you so much for the twenty four pound super chat. Raja goes, Why does Ira definition prevent me a Palestinian from describing my treatment by the Israeli state as racist? Any Jew can return homeland after two thousand years in the diaspora, but I can't after seventy. How's that not racist? Um, I think this is a great question. I think that's why a lot of Palestinians, we do have a lot of our Palestinian community members in the chat today, and they they find this conversation very interesting, a conversation about anti-Semitism they find to be very interesting, because they feel like the term anti-Semitism has been weaponized against them when they're giving what they feel is very legitimate criticism of Israel. Uh, Ken, I know you sure. did mention... That you do think the the definition has been abused? Is this is it referring to this specifically?
1: Well, it's referring to the to the, as Derek said, you know how it's been used. Again, uh, there are reasons why the Israel examples, uh, including double standards, and which we can talk about a little bit more. And uh, things like holding all Jews collectively responsible for actions of Israel and things like denying Jewish right to self-determination, e.g. calling the creation of Israel a a racist endeavor. Um, There was a reason why those things were included in the working definition. And I I stand by them because the definition was not to uh, target any particular expression of somebody to say that they're an anti-Semite. Again, it was to take a temperature particularly in Europe, over time and across borders. And we did see a correlation, I would never say a causation, but we did see a correlation between, uh, you know, uh, harsh criticism, including anti-Zionist criticism of Israel, frequently around, as we saw recently, uh, hostilities uh, with Hamas or in other in- instances with, um, you know, with Lebanon, with um, uh, you know, with the uh, other, uh, other episodes, um, we did see an increase in hate crimes against Jews in cities. So you could, almost, I had a colleague in the UK who used to have a graph of mentions of Israel in the press and that that type of, of uh, attitude and attacks on Jews and can almost superimpose them. So we thought that was an important data point. But what happened, and, and Derek knows, is I started seeing in 2010 precisely the types of problems that your questioner uh, asked about, we started seeing on the campus the uh, utility of the definition. In the U.S., there's a law that that, um, talks about you could defund colleges if they create a hostile, intimidating, discriminatory environment. And Jews were included as of 2010. You started having these right-wing Jewish groups saying, aha, here's somebody teaching something. Here's somebody saying something, uh, just like the, your uh, questioner asked. And they started using that as, as the basis of challenges to try to defund universities, to suppress speech. So that was the the beginning I saw of the abuse of the definition to go after individuals which it was never intended to do when I, I had um, as you know a recent book out about called the conflict over the conflict uh, the Israel Palestine campus debate and one of the reviewers who generally was positive the book had something that I thought was absolutely right to reckon with he, he criticized me for saying by saying basically if it created a tool for hunting witches, don't be surprised that people use it as a witch hunt. And I think that's the problem. It's not the definition in how it was intended. It's the abuse of it for, uh, in political ways that are really disgusting in my view.
0: So do, do you support uh, reforming the definition in such a way that it can't be abused as easily?
1: No, I and I, that's part of my, you know, I, I like aspects and, and I uh There are certain things that are superior, I think, with the JDA definition, nexus definition I recommend as well. Um, But I don't think it's a question of of a, I don't think definition should be used, say on a campus, any definition. I mean, we wouldn't do that with racism. We wouldn't define racism as opposing affirmative action or opposing Black Lives Matter or um, not being in favor of defunding the police or, you know, keeping statues up. You wouldn't have a definition with examples like that and say, we're going to police speech. We're going to encourage administrators to stop speech. You would never do that. So it's a question of the not of the um, not the the text of the definition. It's a question of it's been abused in a way that's problematic. Uh, And and that should be uh, that's why I agree with Derek. There should not be any uh, institutionalizing in this in a way that's going to uh, restrict speech uh, of people who want to criticize Israel, even harshly and even in an anti-Zionist way. But people have cited the definition to go after people that uh, uh, talk about Palestinian rights and maybe even, you know, in an anti-Zionist frame. That ought to be okay. That ought to be protected. It can be debated, but it should never be censored. Would you Um, like to hop in,
2: Derek? Yeah, I'm... I'm just thinking about the difference between what's actually written on the paper and then, you know, you know, how it's been, how the IRA definition has been used. So the questioner is asking, you know, why is it a problem for me as a Palestinian who has suffered from Israel to call Zionism racism? I mean, of course you have the right to say that. And uh, one thing that the Jerusalem definition does is it simply says that there are things that people can say about Israel. Uh, You know, basically as long as you're not, uh, employing anti-Semitic tropes. You're not talking about Jews controlling the media. You're not invoking languages of Jewish conspiracies. You're not attributing to Jews, you know, unusually violent, evil sorts of tendencies or behaviors. If you're talking about the action of a state, the state of Israel, and then operative ideology, and we know what's happening on the ground, what's actually happening on the ground in the occupied territories, that's, of course, people should be able to talk about that openly in in a variety of settings. So this is something again, that I found confusing about the IRA definition where it says right at the beginning and defenders of the IRA point this out over and over again, they say, well, the definition says criticism of Israel akin to that directed against any other country is fine. Well, okay, in the United States right now, there's a big debate about racism. There's a very powerful line of thinking in the United States that the country is structurally racist. This is a very important element behind BLM, Black Lives Matter, behind the 1619 Project, behind a variety of educational programs, that the United States is structurally racist. Now, there are other people who disagree, and it's become quite ugly in the United States, the, the debate about this. I'm in Canada, which is a much more low temperature sort of country in every way, but there has been a real debate in Canada for decades if not centuries about whether the country should be one or two or three i mean there is a sovereigntist movement in quebec historically that wanted to to simply undo the country and yet quebecois separatists had the right to say canada is an oppressive country and we have a right to our own country people did not get thrown in jail or denied their free speech rights because they were separatists um we call countries throughout the world genocidal we attack china for what it's doing to the uyghurs we attack russia for invading you know parts of Ukraine, we use all kinds of hostile language to describe countries the world over. So if we can criticize Israel the way we can criticize any other country, then we could call Israel racist. We could call Israel violent. We can call Israel oppressive. We can do all sorts of things. So again, I think that Ken has really put his finger on it. The the IRA was really useful as a way of sort of identifying things that are happening on the ground and assuming, yeah, that might very well have been the result of anti-Semitism for data collection, but to actually try to limit speech because of it, not only is it wrong in and of itself, it actually contradicts the wording of the IRA's own first couple of sentences. Criticism of Israel, akin to that leveled against any other country, is licit. Last but not least, South Africa was widely criticized for practicing apartheid until the early 1990s. Does this mean that one may call Israel apartheid? You don't have to agree that it's an apartheid country. Okay, you don't have to agree, but is it okay to say it? Because that kind of criticism has been directed elsewhere. So again, I'm. This is where I'm. I found the IRA kind of kind of irritating, because on one hand, it seems to be allowing all sorts of free speech that would give the Palestinian questioner and lots of others say about Israel whatever you want, and then it seems to be trying to take it away. And That seems to be illogical.
0: Ken, you're on mute.
1: Um- yeah, I, I basically agree with Derek, but if I could add to it, that, that one particular bullet point of the definite, working definition, I think, has been distorted from its original intent as well. Um, it was intended to say, uh, you know, nobody would say of another democratic country um, that's getting rockets sent it them, they should just say, take it, we shouldn't do anything. I mean, you can argue about whether the response was appropriate or not, but nobody would say, you know, they shouldn't respond, which is what was happening and some folks were saying. That was the the genesis of of that particular point. But people have been abusing it to say, well, if you're going to criticize Israel, why are you not also criticizing China and Tibet and all these other places? And, you know, give me a break. When I was uh, protesting for Soviet Jews, I wasn't, you know, I was concerned about Tibet, but I didn't go to a protest about it. Did that mean that I was, you know, being... uh, you know, racist or prejudiced about it. So again, this has been weaponized is the problem. And the larger frame to me is the, the question of how definitions of anything should be used. Um, I and mean, when we tend to, and this comes from my day job as a you know hate studies center, we tend to, when we have issues that touch on our identity uh, and touch on things that we feel very strongly as social justice issues, There's a lot of social science that says we want to make it simple. We want to make it black and white. We don't like uh, difficult, uh, confusing uh, ideas. We we just want to put it in a box and either forget about it or or condemn it. And that's what's happening with the idea of the definition. People are talking about how do we define it? What are the differences? Is it is you know is it anti-Semitic or is it not? And we're missing so much that's critical about the discussion of anti Semitism, but of course we're trying to reduce it into this little box. I'll give you one, one example. Uh, Derek was talking about the US. If you look back at the recent period of time in the United States when Trump was president, and certainly anti Semitism long preceded Trump, people are talking about did he say things about Israel, about Jews, whatever. You look at the Tree of Life synagogue shooting. How did that come about? That came about because there was a guy named Bowers who was concerned at the time that Trump was talking about immigrants coming up from Mexico. And he decided our Jews are responsible for this happening because Hayes had a meeting. I'm going to go shoot Jews. So, A, you don't look at the fact that anti-Semitism increases when you have leaders talking about us and them and vilifying them as a danger to us and not about Jews. He was talking about Muslims and he was talking uh, about Mexicans. And you don't think about anti-Semitism when you look at the Walmart shooter. Nobody would count that on even the metric that the working definition has. But the shooter that went in there and shot Mexican-Americans and Mexicans had the same exact ideology as Bowers in Pittsburgh. He just chose a different target. So I think by talking about is it you know, anti-Semitism under this definition or that definition of the competing <coughs> definition, we're missing so much that's essential about thinking about how anti-Semitism works and therefore how we should combat it.
2: Ken, can I jump in there? Because that's that's something actually that I liked about the Jerusalem Declaration right from the start, which is I feel like what happens so much among people who care about anti-Semitism. And again, I want to reiterate, <clears throat> I worry about anti-Semitism, okay? I worry about the attacks against Jews in Los Angeles and New York and London and <clears throat> as well as, you know, obviously what's happened in Israel. So I'm not I'm not making light of it. It's a question of how you frame it. There was a terrible hate crime uh, last week in London, Ontario, where a man, you know, rented a a, a, a pickup truck and he ran over a family of five Muslims, uh, Pakistani Muslims, killed four of them. It was a vicious hate crime. And um, one thing that the Jerusalem Declaration is very aware of, the authors are very well aware of, and Ken is pointing out, is that we're talking about a common concept of hate. And whether it is Anti black racism or various forms of xenophobia um, or anti semitism, they are connected. And this is a really controversial issue because what's happening so much in the United States now is the debate about racism, about BLM. They're not quite sure what to do with Jews, but there is the tendency to bracket off anti semitism because Jews, for the most part, and I'm really qualifying that, for the most part, are perceived as white. I'm being very careful about my language. And many of them are more affluent than the national average. So I'm not using anti-Semitic language here. I'm just talking about a fact about Jews as a a community. However, Jews do experience anti-Semitism. They do experience hatred. They do experience vandalism, verbal abuse, and sometimes physical violence. And it's very important for those who want to combat anti-Semitism to realize that this is not different from, this is part of a general struggle against racism. And this is a conversation we have to have within the Jewish community, within people who care about race and about hatred in general. And that's something that I think I'm afraid Jewish institutions have resisted. Uh, and there has been that tendency to see, a, you know, like to look at, for example, the more progressive members of the Democratic caucus and the House of Representatives as somehow hostile to Jews. Or hot. There, there are differences of opinion, but we are dealing with a common problem and we have to work together at a common solution.
0: Thank you. Um, I do want to pick up this uh, super chat real quick. Raja, thank you again. Raja goes projecting the policies of the state of Israel and all Israeli civilians and all Jews is the real anti-Semitism criticizing the state of Israel is not. Yep. I, I think there's consensus around that, um, at least amongst us three here. Um, you know, Ken, uh, you brought up uh, an interesting point how the social sciences uh, often look to simplify definitions because then they're easier for people to understand and easier to use and there's kind of a trade-off because in simplifying th- it's true that in simplifying it it's easier to know how to use these terms but then it doesn't really get to the gist of the complexities of these different forms of hate what i would suggest is we can't simplify it too much again because then we don't fully understand it but I think a solution is to not be too trigger happy with our accusations of these these hate terms. So whether it's calling somebody racist, sexist, transphobe, or anti-Semitic, I think w- in general activists are way too quick to, to label someone as that with, without really, we don't give people the benefit of the doubt, understand where they might be coming from, perhaps it's ignorance. Um, Perhaps through a very short conversation, we could show them why their um, language is harmful. But when we, when we have this culture of just calling somebody anti-Semitic or racist, not only do we overuse the term and kind of dilute its meaning because people no longer take it seriously, but we're not doing the real education to in explaining to people why what they're saying is harmful. So I would suggest to people, if someone says something anti-Semitic, explain to them why what they said is wrong. Don't just call them an anti-Semite. It's going to be a much more effective way to uh, change people's minds and educate people about these forms of hate.
1: Yeah, that was very well said, and I think we all you know agree with that. You know, the the challenge is there are more and more pushes, and they come from both sides of uh, you know the political uh, aisles in the U.S. at least. Um, to try to label people and try to stop speech and to define speech as something that people shouldn't hear. And that's one of the, you know, the concerns I know Derek and I both work on college campuses, um, that we see some of this push to the idea that um, being disturbed by ideas is, uh, you know, going to cause mental health problems for students who are essentially fragile and should never hear something they find disturbing. And I argue exactly the opposite that, um, we ought to be able to have discussions and people be disturbed by ideas. And that should be you know, a part of the purpose of college is to uh, understand how you think about things when you, that you do find disturbing and how to have the types of conversations that you're suggesting about. Okay, This is why I find it disturbing. What's your evidence? And to have it calmly as opposed to just writing somebody off as beyond the, you know, the social contract of the college, calling them racist. Um, and then harassing them, which I think is a horrible thing. But I see some of that happening over the definition, um, you know, on campuses and
2: elsewhere. And that's what troubles me. It's um, I can't tell if I'm, yeah, no, okay, I'm not muted. This is a problem I've had in the classroom a lot. With um, let's say you have students from very protected backgrounds, and they get to the university and they hear for the first time some very bracing words about Israel, and they say it's anti-Semitism. Um, there's a scholar I'd recommend, anybody who's interested in this sort of thing, who's who's watching. There's a guy in New York named David Engel who <clears throat> wrote a wonderful essay years ago where he said, I don't even want to use the word anti-Semitism because it describes so many things. You know, you get kind of an insulting remark or you're not allowed into a restaurant or a country club. Is that really, you know, that's one form of hatred. But then, you know, someone tries to kill you because you're Jewish. That's that's different. And, and there's arguments on both sides that, you know, one could argue it's a slippery slope. And once you start saying or thinking discriminatory things about people, it could lead to violence. Or it could be that there's certain kind of social snobberies and prejudices that many of us carry in our lives. Um, Some people are educable and some people aren't. And uh, I actually found it very helpful when I was living in the United Kingdom. I was teaching at Oxford for a while where there is more kind of ambient anti-Semitism than there is in the United States. And I found that Jewish students dealt with it differently. I mean, obviously, they didn't like it. But they kind of knew better, I think, about the difference between a sort of a statement from ignorance, because a lot of these students had never met Jews before, and a statement that came from real animosity. And they were just a little better about how to deal with it. And, you know, we're all sorry that life is difficult. Um, But one of the aspects of living in a diverse society is dealing with difference and helping people overcome their fears of, of difference. And I agree with Ken that obviously this is easier maybe in a university environment, but it's something that would be good to carry over outside of the university.
0: Um, we have uh, another super chat from H Refi two Canadian dollars. Thank you so much. Can speakers address cases like that in Toronto? I and and then they continue to say um, referring to the JDL attack being mistaken for anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm not familiar with that, but are, are you? Yeah, um, I, this was an attack a few weeks ago during the latest round of violence. Uh, in Gaza and in Israel, um, there were rumors. It's really fascinating because I live downtown and there were rumors of like anti-Semitic riots on Bathurst Street. So it's these kind of old memories from like the 1930s when there were anti-Jewish riots in Toronto. Uh, and the story was, yeah, that you know Jews had been attacked walking in the street. And then a few days later, it came out that had been, and it's not quite clear to me who provoked who, but there there were JDL people, Jewish Defense League. So they were looking for a fight and they got it. So that seems to be a case where people immediately leapt to pre-assumptions, and that particular incident wasn't as bad. However, I mean, there have been cases in Toronto, Montreal, all over the United States, North America, and Europe, where there's been bona fide anti-Semitic violence. This is a case where it was exaggerated um, or or provoked, Uh, but there have been plenty of bona fide cases. Uh, So this is not a made-up phenomenon. It might be exaggerated here and there. Uh, But it really is happening. Now, that's something that I think that just as I think people who are coming from, as it were, the, the, quote, Jewish side of the fence need to really be aware of how important it is to engage the Palestinian issue without being afraid of like, you know, yes, people are going to say things about Palestine that are going to make many supporters of Israel uncomfortable. That's just going to happen because the reality is really uncomfortable and they need to deal with it. But also I think people in the progressive community have to understand that antisemitism is out there and it's real and it's making people frightened and it needs to be condemned.
0: Uh, Yeah, well put. I I would say it has been concerning to many on the left to see kind of the either ignoring or just straight up justifying of antisemitism as as uh, okay, saying, yeah, but this is just a response to Israel, kind of blaming the anti-Semitism on Israel as if that makes it okay. And I think many many left-wing Jews, which is the majority of Jews living in North America, are having a hard time right now because they, they feel like their own communities who are generally social justice oriented are kind of leaving them out. Um, so, yeah, I, I hear that. There is... um.
1: Can I, can I jump in here for a second? Just yeah, sure. I think that's an important point and it, and it, and it's not unique uh, because we see it on the right side of the political spectrum too. People tend to either supercharge uh, allegations of anti-Semitism or dismiss it depending on if the person we're talking about is seen as in their, their community in terms of their view of Israel. So, you, you know, exact phenomenon give a pass to some people for things that if it had been said by somebody on the right they would have been jumping you know I, some of the comments of ilan omar were reminiscent to me of ones made by pat buchanan and you know people were for a variety of reasons some good maybe some not were giving her the benefit of the doubt that he would never have gotten because he was perceived as from a different uh, point of view likewise i mean we saw Netanyahu and uh, ZOA talking about how uh, people like Orban and and others who received as friends of Israel were, you know, uh, just wonderful people. And Orban was using classic anti-Semitic tropes of Soros in his campaigns. And you have the then prime minister of Israel saying he's a great guy because he's a friend of Israel, dismissing tons of anti-Semitism. And we see you know concerns about um, allegations of anti-Semitism among anti-Zionists, but the people that uh, you know are, are making that are ignoring some of the anti-Semitism among some of the Zionists you know, the strongest supporters. So we tend to frame things in that different way, and to me, that's again part of the the problem why it needs to be a richer conversation as opposed to how do we weaponize and beat up people we disagree with and using these weapon, these definitions as a tool among others to do that. Thank you.
0: Um, I do wanna take an audience question because it's actually by the person who helped set up this debate, Uh, shout out to Zohar Ainovici, without him this conversation would not have taken place. Zohar goes, can you please ask Kenneth whom did he refer to when he wrote right-wing Jews are weaponizing the IRA?
1: Sure, sure. The, you know, In my book, I detail a lot about how the Zionist Organization of America and there's a group called the Amcha and a few others were trying to use the definition first on campus to stop um, or chill uh, speech that they found disagreeable about Israel. Um, so that's one, you know, bucket of of people that are using it. But then, you know, the Simon Wiesenthal Center. Uh, I mean, I have great respect for some of the people there. I disagree with Mark Weitzman on, on this, um, but he was the one who pushed the adoption, uh, or among others, he was the probably the, the most important person who was most promoting the adoption of the IRA definition, uh, the definition, you know, for IRA in 2016, and he. Um, put out a press release when an Israel apartheid a week uh, event was canceled in the UK because uh, it was alleged to have violated the definition. And what he said was, this is great. Other universities shouldn't allow this either. Uh, First of all, the, the definition doesn't, in my view, outlaw Israel apartheid week in any event. But even if it did, it shouldn't be used that way. So there are the groups that are trying to, and I I understand, you know, if you step back and think about it, anti-Semitic tropes that may have relationship with Israel, you want to reduce them. But the way to do that is not to define certain speech that's beyond the pale, and that especially we're asking government to get involved in um, in the UK there was a, the education minister basically threatened the, the funding of schools that didn't adopt the definition um, and that to me is incredibly uh, you know problematic um, and you know, we, we don't want to you know we don't want to go down that road it, it, it creates an environment where you really can't do anything except discuss you know how the definitions are being used as opposed to again how do we actually deal with anti-semitism
2: and to another example to support what ken is saying is about bds uh, legislation that you know people who uh, if a contractor to a state government in the united states for example is actively proponent proponent of bds that somehow that person could not be uh, you know a possible candidate for a government contract now these laws are i mean almost certainly unconstitutional i think one of them's already been struck down right. just in the last couple of weeks But just to even suggest such a thing, and I don't know who exactly was behind the lobbying, but when the German parliament, the Bundestag, uh, declared the the BDS to be, you know, to be unacceptable as a form of anti-Semitism, this is not helpful to, again, a conversation about Israel-Palestine that might be uncomfortable, and by the way, um, free speech includes the right to be inaccurate and includes the right to be wrong, so people can make mistakes. And there are people who think BDS is a great idea and other people like myself who don't think it's a great idea, but people have every right in the world to favor it and to uh, engage in it. It is not violent. It doesn't break laws. And it's a form of civil disobedience. And so, you know, why is it that we are now getting involved in trying to tell people what they can and cannot buy? I mean, this is or or, or that they cannot advocate for sanctions against a country. And to get to the issue of double standards, which is something I wanted to ask Ken about, actually, because you were involved in the drafting of the first IRA iteration, I simply don't get what this means. Because the wording of the IRA is very strange. It talks about not holding Israel to standards that wouldn't be applied to any other country.
1: Any other democratic any, country.
2: Any other democratic country, which is odd, because I don't know of any other democratic country that's been occupying another people for 54 years. That is, yeah. the, the, the circumstances of Israel's creation and its existence are quite unusual. And so, of course, and, and also its location in the center of the Judeo-Muslim well, the, the Christian world, there's going to be reasons why people do get more worked up about Israel, Palestine, than they do about other parts of the world that are not anti-Semitic, even though Israel is um, is uh, procedurally democratic. So I just don't understand what the... What one was thinking. When, sure, when, sure.
1: Yeah. sure. And, I, and I think I addressed that a little bit before, but you're, you're right, Derek. I mean, you know, one of the things I learned from you is, again, you know, each uh, country is unique and each has things that compare to other places, and there are some certain things about Israel, as you pointed, that are unique from any other country. But the concern was, again, remember, this, this, when was this drafted? This drafted in 2004. So you had the history of the U.N. equating Zionism with racism between 75 and 91, an overt discrimination, including in the U.K., universities, places you couldn't have Jewish student groups because to be a Zionist, you were racist, you do not allow racist groups. Mm-hmm. Then you had the World Conference Against uh, Racism in Durban, which was an anti-Semitic orgy with, you know, pictures of Jews you know, with hooked noses and signs that Hitler didn't finish the job. And so forth. So that was the, the, you know, sort of background to it. And the, the, you know, again, the idea was people were saying Israel should not have responded at all when, when it was attacked. Um, and you would never, regardless of the, the the unique circumstances of another country, you would never say that a democratic country has no right to defend itself. So if you know if somebody from Toronto was sending shells into Buffalo, nobody would say Americans shouldn't do anything that was the context but it, again as i was explaining before it's been very distorted uh to basically say if you're going to criticize israel for anything you have to criticize some other things so you're right again the, the idea was to what do we want to collect data from for reports for analysis right. and so forth as opposed to do we want to label this anti-semitic or not it's one of the one of the points i want to uh, address too um there's another thing that's going on but i think it's affecting the dynamic of the discussion in the world about this among the Jewish community. So this debate inside the Jewish community is whether you have to have a particular attitude about Israel to be seen inside the tent. Uh, Sharansky and Gil Troy just wrote a piece, you know, calling un-Jews people who are critical, if not now, and their Jewish voice for peace and so forth. Um, yeah, that's a debate inside the Jewish community. Of do you need to have a particular attitude towards Israel to be in or out? What really troubles me about the push to uh, adopt the definition, the working definition, and it would, you know, bother me too of any other definition, but this one in particular as part of law, is you're asking the government to decide this internal question. And that's why you had Kushner at the time of the executive order taking the definition and applying it to the campus, saying, yeah, our policy is anti-Zionism, is anti-Semitism. And that's why you had Pompeo floating, we're going to label Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International uh, anti-Semitic and, uh, you know, destroy their funding. That's, they're trying to to answer a debate inside the Jewish community. And to have that happen, to have government decide essentially an internal religious question, is to me a a really troubling thing.
2: It just sounds like in the Jewish community, Ken, just like the whole world, the Jewish community still doesn't quite know what to do with Israel. That is, on the one hand, most Jews do have a connection with Israel. They feel attached to it in one way or another. It's certainly the most vibrant uh, and, uh, if not already the largest, soon to be the largest Jewish community in the world. Um, And yet, no one really knows what to do with a country in which Jews are now sovereign with military force and a country that was created at the expense of another people and occupying another people. And it is tempting and easy, it seems, to then conflate hostility towards that country and anger at that country with anger against Jews broadly understood. And uh, yes, of course, it does when Jews in the streets of Paris get attacked because they're Jews, because someone's angry at Israel. This is clearly an anti-Semitic, an anti-Semitic act. But what do we do? And I don't really have an easy answer to this. Because it is very, um, I was at another event recently where someone pointed out, yes, I mean, uh, you can say that this kind of very angry speech about Israel and apartheid and genocide or whatever kind of ethnic cleansing, you know, very angry language people can use. You can say, well, it's directed towards Israel because Israel is a country that occupies another people. But yes, it is easy for that angry language to then escalate into violence, physical violence. And I don't have an easy answer to this because I know that constitutionally, people should have free speech rights and that the conversation towards helping the situation can only move forward if people in the Jewish community acknowledge what's really happening on the ground in Israel Palestine. But on the other hand, I am aware, as you were when you created this definition in the first place, um, that one kind of angry language can lead to violent actions. I don't know if you have insights about.
1: Sure, sure. And, you know, again, I, I, I live in America. I'm you know, arguing constitutional cases in court. Um, and, you know, to me, the, the the bottom line of this, of course, words can hurt and speech can hurt and can lead to things. So one of the objections, um, it was interesting, that South Carolina adopted a, a version of the definition at one point, point, and it was contentious, and a rabbi said, why is this contentious? You know, Hitler didn't kill anybody with his hands. Words, of course, let All I did was words, and words led to genocide. And how could we be against adopting something that would stop this type of speech? And the former general secretary of the American Association of University Professors and I wrote a response saying, yeah, you know, words can, in fact, hurt. But you can't ignore the fact that the reason that Nazi Germany was able to succeed so well in terms of its murderous plot against Jews is Partly that it was suppressing dissent, and if you look at the question of do you want to have the government decide what can be said and what can't be said, um, things that are not, you know, uh, direct incitement, uh, you know, immediate, you know, go get that person over there, they're a Jew, that type of thing, The governments historically have uh, decided to stop speech. That they don't like. What was you know the Trump administration talking? We weren't talking about, you know, things other than the Black Lives Matter speech they were talking about. Can we suppress some of that? So that's a very dangerous thing to government that that, that power. And then the larger frame is again, you know, larger discussion. What should we be doing about combating anti-Semitism? I think there's a strong case to be made, but there's a correlation between strength of democracy and the capacity to fight any form of hatred. And when democracy, you know, our institutions, free press, judiciary, so forth, are under strain, um, that makes it more difficult. So, you know, when when we're trying to really give power to governments to be more autocratic in terms of deciding what speech is okay and what speech isn't, that to me is a prescription for disaster. It doesn't mean we're silent about the speech that we find hateful. It doesn't mean we don't educate it. It doesn't mean we don't, you know, uh, lobby uh congress and other places it doesn't mean we don't you know support people who are going to make this a priority um you know there are a whole bunch of things to do but we try to simplify it say ah this is something we don't like we think it could lead down the road to something let's suppress it uh that's always historically going to backfire
0: so we are going in on an hour i do want to start taking audience questions we have a few super chats um, Maybe I'll, I'll address some uh, criticism in the chat real quick. Nate, I see you're, you're here. I see you're very upset that you got uh, banned from Discord and you're on a mission to expose me as a fraud. Well, I, uh, I wish you luck on your mission. I mean, there's there's hundreds of hours of, of content that, that I'm doing. People will judge from them themselves. I, I hope you don't let me live rent-free in your head. Um, you were banned because you weren't acting it. You were just contributing to a toxic environment. Our discord community is really a place to engage in um, productive conversations but but more than anything um you know how you acted in getting banned it just reinforces why you're not a not w- why we didn't want you in the community you know you could have you could have taken a few days and relaxed and then reached out to me and said adar i I understand what you're saying or I still disagree we could have had a conversation but lashing out like a child you know it just reinforces that you're just not a not right for 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 a conducive healthy environment that really works on reconciling between israelis and Palestinians. so uh, i'm sorry that you're hurt um i would suggest still you know taking time to reflect reach out to me in a week i'd still be happy to have a conversation with you about this and if you want to uh dedicate your life mission uh to proving i'm a fraud best of luck to you bro you know um cool we do have some super chats Superman goes, the main form of anti-Semitism that worries me is the hyper-focus on this small Jewish state that is at least trying while ignoring the surrounding states who have run out most all of their Jews. Um, and thanks for the
2: $10, uh, Superman. I really appreciate it. Um, let me take a first crack at it and then, Ken. Can... One is that um, I'm just thinking of some of those states. You know, Syria... <clears throat> was under severe international sanctions, it was pretty much blown to pieces, largely thanks to its own violent government. Um, Iraq was invaded by an international coalition. You know, in other words, Middle Eastern states that uh, violate human rights, that behave badly, um, you know, they, they, there is a price to pay. Um, it is true that Israel attracts more attention. That's true. I mean, Israel does attract a lot of attention in the world. And for people who are close to Israel, I can just tell you one thing. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. And anti-Semitism is part of it, but it is a small part of the story. It is, if the Jewish state had been founded in Tierra del Fuego, it may have been different. But it's in Palestine. It is in the Holy Land. It is in an area. It's. You talk about location, location, location. Okay? And it's a state through that. The circumstances of its creation, the circumstances of its continued existence are unique. And that's just not going to end. And it is true that Israel is going to get criticized for its actions more, largely because of its connections to the Western world. There are more Western journalists stationed in Jerusalem, I think, than the entire Middle East put together. Uh, you know, everybody wants to hang out at the American Colony Hotel. They're maybe not as eager to go hang out in Baghdad. But. Um, that's just not going to change, and I think it's important to understand when anti-Semitism is a factor behind that and when it's not. Anyway.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree with Derek. You know, you know, the it's obviously the center of the three major faiths, so everybody has a focus on it. Um, and the you know the other thing that makes it a hot button issue is, as Derek was pointing out, it's it's sort of unique in the way that you have two strong. Narratives of national uh, self-expression that are competing and possibly irreconcilable with each other, and that's you know that's going to make it a constant focus with people who care uh, on one side or the other. So you know, I don't see it as anti-Semitism because it's disproportionate. There are certainly times where some of its focus could on that could be anti-Semitic. Um, you know, one can raise questions about how some things in the Human Rights Council. Uh, and other types of bodies that are supposed to look at global things, disproportionately look at, at Israel and some of the things that are said there and and make that case. But just in terms of general focus, I agree with, with Derek. It's going to be an important part of the world for Jews and non-Jews, you know, for as long as there is in Israel.
0: Yeah, just, just to build quick, on that. There... Wait, why am I hearing an echo? Okay, um, just to build on that. I agree that we're not going to change the disproportionate uh, attention Israel gets for for many reasons, and I think if we want Israel to not get disproportionate amount of attention, we should focus on fixing the problems that are causing Israel to get disproportionate amount of attention. And I, I don't think it's true to say we're at, Israel's at least trying. Um, my biggest uh, one of my biggest critiques of Israel is that they have done very little to change in unsustainable and immoral status quo the past decade plus. Um, and and the, the critique of Israel goes way farther back than than just a, a decade. Um, I, I think we're not trying nearly hard enough. And me as an Israeli, I mean, someone who loves Israel, I want to see Israel improve. And I know that in improving Israel as a nation, that's the single best way to, to stop the disproportionate amount of attention. Um, not, And it'll just make the country better in general, right? Yeah, although one could argue, look,
2: there are some people who are anti-Zionists or are critical of Israel, no matter what Israel does. Um, there is, you know, a deep-seated what's called supersessionism in Christianity uh, theology that the Christians somehow replace the Jews. And there are people who really hold on to this and who believe that there's just something fundamentally wrong with Jews having a sovereign state. And there's some people who are going to just think that no matter what. The other issue is, and I'm speaking now as a kind of a part time international relations scholar, if Israel were the size of uh, Ukraine and if Israel had 150 million people, it might be able to act in a way that it can't. I'm not talking about morality now. I'm talking about just cold, hard pragmatism. Israel is actually a very small country with a small population. And yes, it has a strong army and it has nuclear capability. We all know what Israel can do and, and does. But at the end of the day, the project to maintain the occupation, the project to maintain Israel as it's been headed, particularly in the last 15 years, is not sustainable. And you never know when the crash is going to come. It's like the crash that brought down the Soviet Union. All the Sovietologists were taken by surprise. Just a few weeks before this latest round of violence in Gaza and within Israel, I was talking to my class on war in the modern world that, wow, things in Israel seem to have calmed down. And I said to them, for the moment. You never know when the next thing is going to happen. It's just not sustainable. So I think for those of you who are watching, who are not impressed by the moral arguments, although I think they do matter, uh, there's also the pragmatic arguments. Well said. Uh, we have another super chat from
0: Hrefi, Five Canadian dollars. Thank you so much. I think a lot of Palestinian activists are frustrated by how one side of the concern is people chanting death to Arabs in Jerusalem are ignored. So I... If you're referring specifically to this conversation, I mean, we're talking about anti-Semitism, so th- I mean, this is certainly going to be one-sided in terms of what form of hate we're talking about. Um, I'm, I'm trying. I guess I'm trying to understand what vantage point you're looking at at it from. Um, maybe perhaps a Muslim in Canada, you think that if there was anti anti-semit- anti-Semitic remarks, that would create greater waves than than this. Um. I'm not quite sure exactly what you're referring to. Maybe, maybe Derek can... Uh,
1: well, I, I'm not quite sure either, but the, you know, the, the point is, I, and I agree with at least what I take from the question, is, is that sometimes we don't focus on the question of you know, bigotry towards Arabs and Palestinians and some of the, the pro-Israel community. Um, there's a, you know, an ignoring of the Palestinian na- uh, narrative uh, there's, there's a dismissing of the understanding of the pain of the Nakba and how Palestinians were displaced and dispossessed. Um, and, every you know, that's, again, people are approaching this question, the difficult question, not of how we you know, look at anti-Semitism, but what to do in, in Israel, um, primarily from the point of view of their own sort of tribal allegiance and to me is somebody concerned with uh issues of hatred the 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 fact that we you know don't look significantly uh at those types of things or we try to dismiss them or um you know that, that that's a problem i think we need a a, a a single standard and that's again part of my you know concern about the trying to institutionalize a definition of anti-semitism um if, you know, you follow that through, should there be a definition of anti-Palestinianism? As again, I said, I don't think this should be a, a doctrinal definition for, that's government endorsed. But you could say, you know, there certainly are manifestations in the debate over uh, Israel and Palestine that reflect that type of bigotry. And, you know, we shouldn't ignore it. It does exist.
2: Well, you know, Ken, kind of a textbook case for the things you teach about at Bard uh, over the last couple of years, downtown Jerusalem has become a kind of a sharks and jets site for these violent attacks. And you get you get Jews being attacked by by uh, East Jerusalem Palestinians, but the other way around, yeah, uh, Palestinians are getting attacked by Jews. And these sort of street fights and it can get really ugly and violent. And what's interesting, you know, the question is why don't we hear about it? It depends on who you read. So if you read the Middle Eastern press. You certainly hear about it. If you read a lot of you know Western newspapers, uh, well, not so much European ones that tend to be more critical of Israel, but American ones that are more sympathetic to Israel, yeah, it doesn't really get much of a much of a mention. and that's the other thing which gets us really back to the JDA and the IRA, which is what the JDA is trying to do is to open this discussion of anti-Semitism to the world as a whole. We have a global problem of various forms of hatred. and the fact that individuals just seem to care about only you know their group, So if, you know, Jews are getting killed and that's who we care about if we're Jewish and if Palestinians are being killed then we somehow excuse, well, Jews are being killed. That's just because of the occupation. These ways of thinking, you know, if you're you're talking about your whole, you know, your whole endeavor here is about reconciliation. We have to understand that uh, sorrow crosses ethnic and religious lines. And, um, uh. You know, I've often heard it said in universities that Palestinian voices are not are not present. They're present. Palestinians are speaking up, and the question is, who's listening?
1: And and the the model for this, I mean, you know, to to put an emphasis on on both of your points, is that I think it's important for individuals in our daily lives to to uh, reflect on you know what's called. A, a, basically emotional empathy, to have the imagination to think, okay, if I were born in a different circumstance, how would I look at the world? Would it be somewhat different? And it's not just on this issue. I mean, a few years ago in the US, I, I decided, gee, I get most of my you know cable news from CNN and uh, MSNBC. And I said, you know, that's really wrong. I should be looking at Fox News, I should be, now I'm looking at One America Network, uh, another sort of right-wing media, not because I agree with it. I I find a lot of it, most of it disturbing, but there's millions of people that are swayed by that and reflect their point of view and how can you live as a global citizen and not understand that there are other people who may not have uh, animus in their heart, but have a different point of view and a different reference point and to try to understand that. Uh, I think it's an important exercise for all of us.
0: So we're going to take, um, we have a few questions in our community, BBS, for those who are unfamiliar, BBS is kind of like Reddit, but built on blockchain technology. You actually earn money for for creating content there. And it's censorship-resistant because it's built on blockchain. So we have a few questions there. I just dropped a link to the BBS in uh, in the chat. This was asked by Leiluch. Um Why should the world adopt IRA instead of JDA, despite Palestinians and pro-Palestinian concerns over IRA making most criticism of Israel, whether it is legit or not anti-Semitism? So I feel like we actually did address this. Um, Yeah, so Leiluch, if you watch the beginning of the episode, we speak about this thoroughly. Um, And and this is an interesting one. This is by Jordan. Can philo-Semitism be anti-Semitism? So for those who are unfamiliar, philo-Semitism is thinking highly of Jews. Which I think, like China, is a very philo-Semitic, uh society. When when I was there, and I would tell people I was there for business, I would tell people I'm um, Jewish. They're like, ah, you're very smart. And I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, I personally wasn't. <laughs> you know, I wasn't offended by philosemitism in any, any way, shape, or form. I found it flattering. But I'm I'm very interested to hear what Derek and Ken think of. It.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think it can. I mean, you know, it reflects sometimes some of the same anti-Semitic tropes, uh, but expressed in a positive way. Um, and uh, as, as I explained earlier in the, this uh, conversation, you had debates about whether when a Jew was kidnapped uh, and tortured, you know, and held for ransom because Jews were uh, seen as rich. There was a debate in France with that. It was a positive stereotype. It was a that, that that's important. I'll give you another example. That's why I think you know the, the hate crime aspect of the IRA definition is much better um, because it, it again looks at intent rather than motive. So there were been cases, for example, in Montana years ago, if I recall correctly, where somebody was burglarizing Jewish homes. Why? Jews were rich. Um it's still if you're you know, if you know that only the Jewish homes are being um You know, attack this way and burglarize. Of course, it's a concern. You don't know the what's in the person's mind. So I think the 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 idea of you know a positive um, uh, attitude about Jews can certainly be anti-Semitic. And there's another aspect too of of the hate crime thing, which I want to mention, which I think is important too. It's not just about Jews. If you look at some of the the worst anti-Semitic incidents, there was a shooting at the um, JCC. Kansas City a number of years ago. Wasn't Jews uh, who were killed, it was non-Jews who happened to be using that facility. If you look um, at, there was a protest against a Jewish uh, store on 125th Street in Harlem years ago, Freddy's Fashion Mart, somebody was killed, wasn't Jewish. So it's not just a question of anti-Semitism affecting Jews. The way that the hate crime Rubric under under the working definition was created as it would encompass all that. I, I, the the challenge of the people that are promoting the definition is they're saying, well, great, we're institutionalizing. You look at the various EU states; they haven't adopted that um, sort of rubric, and I hope that they will at least in terms of this clear aspect of talking about what what do we want to count as a hate crime. I don't think they should adopt these other types of the definition to deal with speech. But on this matter, I think it's this one superior.
2: It's a funny thing about philosemitism. semitism I was just thinking about two very different types of it, the kind I've encountered in China, Adar, which is like what you're describing, um, where I was like, wow, you're Jewish. Because I, I wrote a book years ago about Jews and economics, and I gave a copy to a certain important Chinese figure. And he said, oh, you Jews, you're so rich, you're so successful. And I realized there wasn't a hint of animus. I mean, not a hint of anger or frustration or envy or anything. And if he learned the truth, which is, in fact, I'm terrible with money, he wouldn't be angry at me. He would just say, oh, you know, I mean, he would he would sort of say, oh, well, whereas I think the dangerous kind of phylosemitism, which you find in Europe in particular and among certain Christian circles in the United States is based on expectations. And if those expectations don't come through, then you get angry. So, for example, evangelical Christians who expect Israel, Jews, to do their part in moving to Israel, supporting Israel, to bring about the coming of the Messiah. And as you, there's a new film called Till Kingdom Come, which is a really good documentary about evangelical Christians. And the anger underneath the so-called love of Israel, which is you Jews aren't doing your part. And if you're not doing your part, then you're all, you know, you're all going to hell. Or what Donald Trump said yesterday, again, he said, you Jews, you don't love Israel enough. That's your problem, right? Because otherwise, you would have all voted for me. Um, that's the kind of philosemitism that's very dangerous, as opposed to what I encountered in China, which was just admiration. Um, again, it's not a Christian culture or a Muslim culture. Jews are completely or almost completely foreign to that culture, and they don't have the cultural baggage uh, that it has in uh, the Muslim and Christian world.
3: Great. Uh,
0: Another super chat for Mark Shatton, $12. Thank you so much, Mark. Demonization of Israel seems to rise to anti-Semitism and demonization of Palestine seems to rise to a similar bigotry. Thoughts of using demonization as a standard in evaluating these matters? I'm not fully sure I understand
2: Derek, you seem to, you understand. I'm I'm smiling because Ken, this is Ken's rubric. (laughs) This is Ken's backyard.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, look, I mean, there's certain aspects we get demonization. I mean, when you talk about hatred uh, and the field of hate studies, it looks at uh, dehumanization and demonization as indices of that. So so demonization is is related. Um, the, The reason I'm smiling is in my book, You know, I have examples precisely of what the questioner is talking about. People on each side making strong arguments why the other side, pro-Israel or pro-Palestinians, are Nazi equivalents. But that's, you know, again, it's how we understand about hate when we want to not engage. And wonder, gee, should we look at this differently? How would the other por- person have a point of view that might be reasonable? We might be fundamentally disagreeing with it, but it's much easier, to, especially when it threatens our core values and identity, to say it's beyond the pale and then that that can lead to dehumanization and, and demonization. So, you know, it, it's not unexpected that that's part of this discourse, um, and it, it happens on both sides because it's easier to understand the world that way. Thank you.
0: Um, let's see if there's anything
4: else. I saw a few more.
0: We're asking, do you think BDS is anti-Semitic? Why or why not?
1: I'm gonna take that first, Derek. Or yeah, no, we'll, no, we'll, no. actually, That's the J the JDA references that and ira does yeah so i'll let you it's go first
2: that, it's true that ira doesn't mention it although people think it does but it doesn't um look uh like i said earlier i think there's a difference between being in my opinion wrong or mistaken and you know being anti-semite uh free speech gives you the right to be wrong now there are lots of people who think bds is the right thing to do okay and as i said earlier i think it's wrong but but i see no reason why people shouldn't be allowed to uh advocated if they wish i mean if people want to boycott china or people good luck (laughs) given how much we depend on chinese merchandise but you know people want to boycott china because of what they're doing to the uyghurs or people want to boycott saudi arabia or whatever country you know you can do it um so I, i i just don't see why there's anything fundamentally demonic or violent or hateful about bds um there are lots of Jews who believe in various forms of boycott, let's say, not wanting to buy products from the occupied territories. According to Israeli law, such people could technically be barred admission into the state of Israel, uh, um, but um, non-Israeli citizens, that is, under the boycott law of 2017, I think it was. But, um, you know, I just don't see it that way, that the boycott movement in and of itself is a, an expression of uh, a, it, it's an expression of civil disobedience. The fact that I personally think that it's wrong-headed, that it's counterproductive, that it won't work and so on. These are my own opinions. And I'd be very happy to have conversations with people about the BDS movement and, you know, why I and a lot of other people who care a lot about Palestine don't think that it's as it's currently structured, it's it's at all practical or helpful. But that's just a matter of opinion. So, no, I don't think the BDS is inherently anti-Semitic. And the, the Jerusalem Declaration says that quite explicitly
1: and I agree with Derek i mean'm I'm, I'm, I'm against BDS I'm no fan of it um but I don't believe it's you know inherently anti-semitic um there the reason why some people think it is and um, it is that not necessarily the kid who's going to boycott uh, something on a campus uh, or push a resolution but the movers and shakers of the BDS movement are very clear in terms of their anti-zionism and for those who equate anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism, it's not such a large leap to say, therefore, BDS is anti-Semitic. Since I don't believe all anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, I don't you know, don't agree with them, although I understand their point of view. And in particular, I th- I, I, I'm, you know, again, like Derek, I'm less offended if somebody wants to boycott something from the West Bank or go on wines or whatever. What really sticks in my craw is the idea The particular thing about the academic boycott, Um, again, I don't think it's anti-Semitic, but I think it's incredibly, incredibly dangerous. The whole purpose of the academy is to look at ideas and examine them without saying we're going to put certain ideas beyond the pale because it's tied to a particular nation. Um, and so to me, that's reprehensible, not because it's anti-Semitic, but because it's destroying one of the, the fundamental things about academic freedom that's so important to our progress as a world.
2: There's something particularly galling about the way the academic boycott is structured, that the people who are considered, let's say, the people in Israel whom who are most, I'd say, uh, Not helpful, but who are helping promote the occupation? People in I don't know cybersecurity, people in in military sciences, people in intelligence, people in computer science, people in the applied sciences. They are not affected by the by the boycott at all because there's so many venues for them to go and speak and go and do consulting work all over the world. Uh, the people who are affected are actually those in humanities and, and the light social sciences. So, you know, you, you, you boycott historians and comp lit professors. Well, that's not going to really bring about the liberation of the Palestinian people by boycotting a, somebody who teaches Welsh literature. And the BDS movement claims that it only boycotts initiatives between universities as opposed to individuals, but this is simply not true. I know from personal experience, who people who are you know constantly being subject to this boycott. And also the government initiatives that are protested are often very helpful. There is There are initiatives at Oxford where I used to teach between Oxford and certain Israeli universities that bring the most amazing variety of people to Oxford, most of whom are extremely critical of Israel. Mm-hmm. And Oxford would be impoverished in terms of pro-Palestinian voices if if they didn't have these programs. So I, I do agree. The, the academic boycott is a good example of something which is not anti-Semitic. It's just wrong, in my opinion. And well, the two are not the same.
0: Noam no, Chomsky, I believe, also came out criticizing that aspect of BDS that the academic a that there's an academic boycott and that b that it was a very broad and general boycott of all of Israel and not just uh, settlement goods for example which would have been more uh, specific mm-hmm. and directed
1: right and it does have an impact that may you know be felt as anti-semitic I documented my book and and Carrie Nelson has also done the sort of yeoman's work on this at about some Israeli academics who are hiding their affiliation to get papers published, or if they have a hyphenated name and one of the, the part of the hyphenated name is colon, they will drop that out. So it is having an impact on Jewish academics uh, as well, which is problematic.
0: Great. So we're closing in on an hour and a half. Um, I think we could do um, final thoughts and then and then wrap it up
1: wants to who wants to go first oh I I I can I mean first of all I want to give a plug to Derek's book on Herzl which (laughs) if nobody has read that it's a great great book on Herzl so and it's a pleasure to be you know part of this conversation you know I think the the larger issue I hope people come away from is that people can have differences of opinions about definitions and so forth and the more, I think, the merrier. We should be talking about anti-Semitism and how we understand it. The fact that there are competing definitions and people care about it so uh, passionately is partly a reflection about the fact that anti-Semitism is really a complex thing and there are different ways of looking at it. We should expand the conversations. And I think all the definitions really looked at together can help some of those conversations. And when I teach about it on the campus, I do use... Um, you know, as many definitions as I can to stimulate conversation. But that's quite different than the larger question of what we want these definitions to do. And again, because this is such a difficult political, emotional, uh, issue for so many people. They're taking the definitions and using them as weapons. So that to me is the problem. I think the JDA definition is a contribution. I think it will reduce some of the temptation to abuse the working definition as a way to, to engage in what which hunts I think that's a positive contribution, but I, I don't think any definition should be used as a gatekeeper on a campus or another institution to say what's okay and what isn't. You can point to it in the discussion, but when you're encouraging administrators and other people in official positions, when you're encouraging official adoptions of what language is okay and what isn't, you're sacrificing so much, including especially on a campus, you're basically saying to people, groupthink is much better than individual agency what we want to do is convince people that they should think for themselves and not follow the herd
2: well said ken um Thanks. i guess summing up and again ken's book the conflict over the conflict is uh must must reading it's a great book uh i don't have a copy of it here because i'm at my son's house and he's a doctor so if you want a book on cardiology i can show you a few but <laughs> <laughs> i think i'll sure. I think i'll spare you it's I probably more helpful you. i think i'll spare you. Um, for those who are viewing, who are coming from, let's say, I'll talk to two broadly uh, sort of defined groups. Those who are coming from, a, let's say, pro-Israel perspective, there are people who have criticized the Jerusalem Declaration as like giving a pass to anti-Semitism, being anti-anti-Semitism, because it does try to uh, encourage people to have difficult conversations about Israel, Palestine, without being called anti-Semites. But as I've said throughout, and I just want to emphasize. The people i know who signed the declaration the people i know who wrote the declaration are awfully worried about anti-semitism so it's not like you know they just don't care for people who are pro palestinian or palestinian um there have been some criticisms of the jerusalem declaration that it's basically trying to tell palestinians what they can and cannot say and we've the questions today um there were palestinians involved in the crafting of the definition so it's not like palestinian voices weren't present And I think that this is part of the ongoing effort of the people behind the Jerusalem definition to engage more with Palestinians, to have the next round of conversation about moving forward. Uh, And I myself am engaged with Palestinian scholars on these issues. So I'm just saying that this is it's not an attempt to censor or to tell people what to think. A final argument or final point I want to make is that um, if people have questions, again, about these two documents, I just can't encourage you strongly enough, read them and make up your own mind, because... um, people who support the IRA have made the most outlandish criticisms of people who support the Jerusalem Declaration that were, you know, starry-eyed idealist academics who have no idea what the world is really like when, in fact, most of those critics are themselves academics. And, you know, the fact is that whether people who support the JDA and who support the IRA are often the same kinds of people, for example, living in Israel, all of them facing the same problems, the same challenges of living with Israel or living in the United States in very similar situations. So, I'm just saying that it's not a question of idealistic, naive people versus experienced ones. It's just two very different ways of evaluating a real problem and what's the best way to move forward. So to avoid, again, we're talking about avoiding demonization, avoiding the demonization of people who support one or the other to realize that both of them have emerged in, as Kent says so well, particular contexts. And to read for yourself and make your own decisions.
0: Thank you so much, Derek. Thank you, Ken. I thought this was an amazing session. I'd love to have you both on uh, for for future discussions. Uh, It seems like the the chat very much enjoyed it as well, aside from uh, a select few uh, troublemakers, but uh, I'm glad y'all are here as well. Um, If you're new to the channel, please subscribe. You can find all the contact information for Derek and Ken in the description if you want to get in touch with them. You can also find their full bios to learn more about them. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I disappeared I'm, I'm gonna, for a while. Yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand for 15 minutes longer just to, uh, I'll take some questions myself and maybe uh, address address the chat a little bit. But uh, Ken and Derek, thank you so much. Uh, and I hope to see you both again here soon.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you. Maybe next time we'll wonderful. do it in person, Derek, with scotch in hand.
0: That, that'd you be great. You bring the scotch.
1: I'll bring
0: the food. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye, -bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Okay. That was cool. I have a little bit of a different background here. I'm in in a hotel right now. Um, Cool. So um, I do see that there are a few people in the chat that uh, they've been pretty consistent in their criticism of myself or of the channel. I want to give you the opportunity to come on the live stream and speak to the Sulha audience, share your, your criticism. I'm, I'm definitely open to this. Uh, we could have a conversation about it. Uh, so, uh, Nate, if you're still here, come on, let's, let's have a discussion. Uh, Mossad, I know you've been very vocal. You can come on, let's talk about it. Uh, I know sometimes it's easier in the comments, uh, Let's push back you know it, it might be easier to just type it out, but if you want, I'm willing to give you an opportunity to use this platform to criticize this platform uh so do we have any takers on this right in the chat and we'll we'll bring you on this is uh a, a criticized sulha session. We'll give it probably fifteen uh fifteen minutes and and then we'll uh sign off. I do see um H thank you so much for another super chat. H I know I didn't even get to address all your super chats. The chat was openly bigoted against Arabs. Address. We do have a select few people who are. Uh, they're, they have hateful or at least inflammatory rhetoric. That's true. The most hateful people we do eventually uh, ban. Uh, but we do believe that people have the ability to change, so we don't want to just outright ban people. Uh, we want to give them the opportunity to be here and engage with people from opposing sides. So that's that's where it comes from. We're we're way more strict on Discord. Discord, you know, we have like a community there. Uh, if people just aren't contributing to a positive environment, then they will not they will be removed. In our year plus of doing this, we've only banned uh, like 10 people from from the actual channel. So we're, we're not quick to ban people. We do give people uh, timeouts, which is like a five-minute breather when, when you can't speak. Um, yeah, that's that. Um, no, uh, uh, Nate, you don't need to put a camera on. You could just do audio if you want to join. That's fine. You can do just audio. Uh, how do you join the discord? So I will drop a link, but the discord now, it's not that it's invite only, it's that to, um, it's to be part of like the greater community, there's like an ap- approval process, just because we want to balance out the demographics a little bit, we have way more Jews than we have Palestinians, and uh, the majority of the Jews are actually um, diaspora Jews. So we're trying to build a stronger Israeli-Palestinian presence there. So, Nir, you asked about the Discord. If you are uh, Israeli, then yeah, w- we'll let you right in. Um, diaspora people, we're going to wait a little bit before we um, before we we let more people more people in. Uh, Rajya criticism of Sulha: not enough female voices from both sides; too many men. True. Yep, I agree. Um, the way we do our booking. The- Generally speaking, booking is one of the hardest things we deal with. It's a lot of like research and email writing, and the vast majority of the emails we send, we don't get responses. A lot of the people on the show are people who reach out to us wanting to come on, and that's overwhelmingly men. We've had maybe one woman reach out to us saying she'd like to be on the show, and we've had probably over 20 men, which is a crazy discrepancy just in outreach. Uh, is this a result of, of something cultural? I'm not quite sure, but it, this is a clear example how often when you – and this is something that the social justice-oriented uh, left often do. They look at like uh, discrepancy, like in, inequity in outcome, and they, they conclude that that must be a result of racism or sexism. But as we see, there's cultural and perhaps even biological differences between um, genders, let's say – That create a different outcome, so you can't look at outcome and and conclude that it's a result of some kind of hate or or bias. There could be other underlying cultural uh, aspects. That being said, I very much agree. We do need more women on the show. We've been making an effort to reach out to many women, uh, and we still don't have don't have enough. Uh, We do hope to change that in the future. Rajya, I I by and large agree with your your criticism, and thanks again for the for yet another, um, super chat. Not to mention you're a one and only champion member. Maybe one day we'll have another champion member. You can find the discord link in the, in the chat, in the description. Uh, so yeah, I do see, uh, Nate, you want to join? Let me drop you the link. I'm going to, I'm going to send it to you in, uh, um, Nate, I just dropped the chat. I just dropped the link in the, In in the chat, you'd add that, join that link and I will bring you on. Uh, Mossad, if you want to come on, you can as well. I I think we'll do one one at a time just so we could have a nice like uh, back and forth. So we'll bring Nate on first and then Mossad on. Hi H. Rifya, I see you're here. Do you do you have a critique? Because we're doing a, a criticism session. Yeah, write write it in the right, right in the super chat. I can't hear you until I, I bring you on. Oh, I see I see people joining. I, I guess this is gonna be uh this is gonna be a long one. Uh Henfro goes, Hey Dar, I'm an Israeli woman, would be happy to come on at some point, not sure what to talk about. Um, Ken, we'd love to have you on. It, if you can reach out to me on Discord or Facebook or any of my social media platforms, you can find a link in the description. Uh, please reach out to me. We'll set it up. You see, Raja, your your question inspired action. So thank you for that. Um, here, I'll bring... Hey, man. Yeah, I can hear you. What's going on? Okay, good.
3: So, my issue with part of this is by the way, I'm coming from Montreal Canada I've been involved with some of the organizing for uh, uh, the pro Palestinian side of this locally and I wanted to mention that there's certain there's this, there's an issue of framing sometimes with this issue and obviously this is a topic of anti-Semitism and it is something that should be between the Jewish community but there's also this issue of the way that the conversation is framed around who whose protection is valued and whose isn't. So for example, when I bring up the example of Toronto, I've been on the streets of Montreal with somebody, for example, my friend was threatened with a gun where uh, somebody spat in somebody else's face and almost caused a riot, which I had to break up. There's, there's examples of what, like the realistic things of actually what happens. And I don't think that it is is anti-Semitic for the crowd to try to beat up somebody who spat on someone, for example. That's not an, a case of that. That's a case of provocation and response anti-semitism is unprovoked actions against people for being Jewish. That's kind of the whole point, right? And when it gets mixed in with this, when the crowd is being uh, vilified because of provocations, which should not be responded to, but are, uh, for example, there's provocations in the chat, for example, where they're talking about how, like when I'm mentioning how there was chance of death to Arabs, the responses were, well, Okay, sure. Let's go for it. Like that, they're they're okay with it, basically. And if you're, I understand it's hard to moderate a chat and a, and a debate at the same time. But if you're okay with those people, and it's not an instant ban for people who are troublemakers, as you point out, it's going to lead to people not not being around, like not wanting to engage.
0: Okay, I, I hear you. I, I agree. Um, I think probably the solution and. Honestly, there's, there's no good reason why we haven't done this until now. Cause we do have enough volunteers. What we should do is we just should have more external people moderating the chat. So it's not on me because the, the multitask makes it very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, we should probably, I don't know if per se ban people outright, but, uh, mute, mute them the second that they're acting hateful, uh, that, yeah, I hear you. I, I, appreciate, that sometimes I appreciate
1: that. I, I,
3: I totally agree. And sometimes it's just, it is like a question but a lot of what was in that chat was not a question. It was just outright, "You guys are evil, hateful people." And I was making jokes in the chat. I don't know if you noticed, where I was basically like, "Yes, Palestinians thirst for for the blood of blonde children," you know, that sort of thing. And uh, that's obviously like I was just playing around with that because you know, I'm a, I'm trying to make fun of their their rhetoric. But like, there needs to be somebody to uh, to point out when something is inappropriate and when it isn't. And I think humor yeah, was the only yeah. way to like even moderately moderate what they were doing.
0: I, I, I hear you. Um, thank yeah. you. H. I'm, I'm going to bring Nate on because I do want to hear from him as well. But, um, if, if you'd like to come on at a future date for another session, uh, you're more than welcome to, and I appreciate the feedback.
3: I can give you my email if there's some private way of providing it.
0: Yeah. in in the, in the description, you can find my contact information. So just reach out to me on whatever social media platform you're more, uh, you're most comfortable with.
3: Okay, perfect. Thank you.
0: Great, H. Thank you, Nate. What's going on? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy we're uh, getting to talk with voice and not over text. Where?
5: Yeah, it, it, things- it was wasn't so pleasant yesterday when I was watching the video. and He said people like to hide behind these things. Not people don't like to hide behind these things. But who? When was? What? Sometimes people aren't given a platform, and you assume that they just want to hide behind things but when they're offered a platform then they agree so you're, you're like sort of like you're, you're like you're like assuming things about people you make a lot of comments like that like snide comments that assume things about people and generalize people and it's it's not right
0: so i would agree with you that i engage in a fair amount of snark with the chat and this is something i've reflected on
5: yeah and there's even- even after I, I don't mean to go. You, I'm not. I'm not good at this, by the way, because I'm not a public speaker. You're, you're, you're obviously, you know, you've been doing this for a while. You're, you're, you, you, are you're, 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 educated in this. You, you, you know, some people don't want to be on the camera and don't want to be in the session and want to express their opinions and they have every right to. And there's not, not a negative about them that they're all oh, hiding behind a keyboard or they don't want to show themselves. So that's a very, that's a very. You say a lot of insulting things that aren't. Right. And then, then when someone says something back to you, you say, oh, you're banned. You're not acting in good faith. It's like kind of ridiculous.
0: So I, I want to first address the, the first thing you said and then and then move, move to the second. So it's true that I do engage in snark with people in the audience. Um, and, and, you know, this is something I have internal reflection on because I often say to myself, you know, maybe I should be more compassionate t- towards those people and honestly it's it's quite possible that that is a better approach the reason i i engage in snark is i guess two reasons first of all it's generally towards people who are come at every single week and are just pretty nasty like uh, nate I, I haven't you know I, I today was my first time addressing you on the live stream it it's more so starhopper who literally comes and says racist shit every single week but i have um,
5: I haven't, I
4: haven't no, no,
0: I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about normally the snark's not directed towards you. It's directed to people who are here every week. Wait, let me just let me just finish and sure. are just nasty. Sure. And sure. I, I also recognize that it has like some entertainment value to it. Like it, it's just fun and funny. So I, I see it as like a fair trade-off. I'm like, you know what? These, these are people who are obviously trolls. Uh, the people who I call out uh, on live chat, they never ha- – it's not people who have their photo up or their full name. I'm not going to call those people out because I, I don't want to publicly shame anybody. But if you're hiding behind a fake a fake profile picture and a fake name and you're just coming to the chat to be mean to people, so I'm definitely I use that for entertainment purposes. I could definitely hear the the case that I should still be more compassionate to those people. Um, again, I have this internal reflection. I I do see snark as being, um, acceptable with those people, but um, I'm open to the feedback that there is a better approach. Um, and I I, I consciously do recognize that now. To say that. I respond with criticism, with banning. I mean, this just isn't, I mean, this cannot be farther from the truth.
5: Can I, can I, I, I interject one thing?
0: The, sure. m- the moment
5: I joined the server a few days ago, I was immediately like jumped up, jumped up, uh, jumped on and put into a breather. I didn't even know what a breather. Nobody said anything to me. Nobody said, oh, can you try? No, so I was just put in a breather and I figured, oh, maybe the breather after, after the Sabbath, I'll go on, I'll be off the breather. It was a day later. I was still on the breather nobody explained to me why i was on the breather nobody explained to me you're going on the breather there is such a nobody i know I, I i read the principles whatever afterward but still like you you i could have I, I assumed that i was on the breather for for indefinitely nobody said anything to me you know like it's, 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 it's so from that moment on i was already joining it was in bad faith the whole thing was in bad faith against me and then 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 i then i'm mad everybody's looking at every single thing i say after that because oh this guy is this this guy's that this guy's it you know and like I feel, you know, it just wasn't. You know, it takes people like uh, there's a certain amount of uh, time it takes a person to get. Some of what is said to me, you know, you can't, you know, you can't use that language you said or this and that. And then I say to them, oh, but this person said that to me first, and this and whatever, whatever they said. But at least there's a conversation. Like from the moment I joined the server, I I felt like I was totally like treated unfairly. You even told me that I was treated unfairly, and then and then then like then then also the, the final straw that broke the back i guess was i was engaging with you in, a, in, a, in, a, in an emotional debate about about something that i take seriously and and, and it was about the, the it was it was not it wasn't like a serious but it was, about, it was about a profile pic. and you were going back and forth with me about it and i was trying to show you how i didn't your logic wasn't wasn't like standing up and instead of engage you were engaging with me and then you just banned me in the middle of the conversation it's like totally like you you could expect someone to feel like they're being they're being like treated unfairly and silenced and maybe you have other things going on there are other people telling you other things on the side that are that are but like it's like i from my position i felt like very very abused and very very treated unfairly and and not i'm not the only one who felt that way there are other people on, on your server who who felt the same way that i was being treated unfairly so it's like the whole Everything rests in your interpretation, whether someone's acting in bad faith or not, or whether you you think someone's misinterpreting what other people are saying. So like, then expect pushback, you know, when people are silenced, because it's just, you know, you say you don't ban people quickly. I was banned pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, so let, let's let's talk about that. Okay. Um, first of all, I, I do agree the first time you were put on a breather, you were treated unfairly. Um, not that I think that your behavior was okay, but you were reacting to somebody who engaged in a personal attack against you. And that should have been taken into context. Um, One of the reasons why you were um, unbanned was because I felt like you were treated unfairly. I had a discussion with other mods. Um, Some of the other mods were not okay with me bringing you back. And I said, (laughs) I said, again,
5: of course not.
0: Right. So I said, Again, I think you were treated unfairly. You deserve another chance. That actually caused one of the mods to quit, which which right. upset which upset me. I think that was now, the,
5: your decision making here. That you are you're you're taking emotional things that upset you and then you're
0: Hold on, you're, wait, Nate, nay, let me let me finish. Come okay. on. Okay. We're, we're having a back and forth. Okay, so it's back and forth. So it's true that when I banned you the second time, I what me being upset that one of the mods quit was was definitely part of why i was yeah i could tell that. Uh, short with you that's true it's not though it, it's not about disagreeing with me or disagreeing with something i say or, or disagreeing with something another community member says we we want disagreement that's what we are all about um People disagreeing with me help helps me grow, so I, I urge debate and and criticism and feedback. Um, so again, it has nothing to do with that, but I will acknowledge it did have something to do with the fact that Ahmad left because of my decision to bring you back. And part of how you you're engaging, hold, hold on, real quick.
5: Why weren't you honest about that and told me that? That's part of the. You're telling me other reasons. You're telling you're not telling me the real the true reason. You're, you're, I knew there was other. More no, no, that.
0: but. there are
5: factors behind your decisions that you're not being honest about and that's clouding the whole thing you're telling me one reason and the the real the the true the thing that's in your heart is a different reason no
0: no Nate Nate, please let me finish I I wasn't interrupting you when you were speaking okay? okay it's true that that was a factor but that was not solely the reason it's that I saw continued behavior that didn't give me um, confidence that you're going to be a productive member of the community, and you are doing something that I've experienced in the past, and it, I, I can't even begin to explain how emotionally draining it is when somebody constantly is misinterpreting what you say, because you need to constantly uh, re-explain yourself. It, it's just if if we're going to have a community of people who misrepresent and misinterpret one another. That is just a horrible community. And, and that's what you were doing. So what the, wait, true. wait, hold on real quick, real quick.
5: Show me that. True. Show me that. Don't just, don't just make accusations without showing me proof of what I, where I misinterpreted. It's very easy to throw out something and say, oh, you're misinterpreting people. Can you show me where, Can you show me some examples where I misinterpreted people instead of just throwing that out there, please?
0: Yeah. I mean, you, what, you want me to do a screen share right now and, and, yeah. and go through it? It's
5: how, you could give me one example or two I mean give me a break you just you're just
0: saying So something. so okay L- look when we were when we were then speaking in in private chat and uh, and I said it's very you're mighty
5: you're, over there and and, and you what know, Every time I said something, you say, OK, well, that doesn't fit with the with the rules of the you you basically like you pigeonhole somebody and you like have total authority and you're saying and everything I said was that, OK, you could you could feel that way, but that doesn't fit with the everything I said. No, you
0: know, no. But uh, again, again, so r- right here, this is a clear misinterpreting of. Of, of of what of what I what not
5: words. It's your words. It's not a misinterpret. Uh, show me show me where I misinterpreted your words. You know, and and actually, don't show me in the private chat. Show me somewhere that you, that that was actually in the Sula community where I misinterpreted someone's words. Uh, you know, show me that. You know,
0: that, well that 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 entire chat that we had the argument that, was part of was a much.
5: That was after I I was banned and, and it was emotional and you were, and you were blocking me you told me not to message you. And that that was emotional you know you could expect someone after after going through this this constant being banned coming back not being banned you know I, I the truth is is that the real reason you banned me if, if that woman wouldn't have left the Palestinian woman or you' were upset that the moderator this would not be an issue and that's the truth you could say, you can make, you could say whatever you want that the re, that the reason was, there was a different reason that reason would not have come into the forefront. Unless you are being upset, that's that the mod that you were you were ready to find something to pass. And, that, and if you want to be honest with yourself and be honest in the situation, that's the truth.
0: I would it, not. It, I, I would it hold, not, hold on, Nate, Nate. Nate, Nate. It is true that had that not happened, you wouldn't have. Hold on, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have been banned.
5: Not fair. It's not. It's not. It's, Nate, Nate, it's not, Nate but not, I, 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 not wait, wait,
0: unfair. Nate, Nate, Nate. Nate, Nate. I, I I just want to point out because again, I don't think I don't think. Ultimately, I made the wrong decision, and even in this discussion here, you're you're showing certain traits that uh, that again, like you speak, I don't interrupt, I start speaking, and within like seconds, you just you just jump in. Like using, I'm
5: not used to being on a live on a, on a, on a well, so,
0: but but this isn't live. This is two people having a conversation. You speak, I listen. I speak, you listen. But that's not how it's happening. So again, you, you've you've shown a lot of signs that you're not going to be a productive member of the community, and okay, again, so
1: that's your. Uh,
5: that's your opinion. I would
0: but, be, being- but, you, but you're still not letting me finish. You okay. see, I'm trying, I'm trying to finish and you're not letting me finish. It's true. It's true that had I not been upset that Ahmad left, you wouldn't have been banned again so quickly. Uh, yeah, I acknowledge that, but I, I am fairly confident you would have been banned again within a few days because there are so many other red flags. And even when we had the discussion in private chat, I, I explained to you, I explained to you what you were doing that I found problematic and your interpretation of that was, yeah, you just um, don't like when people disagree with you when I explain something completely different. The way that you've dealt with getting banned since then, um, opening different profiles and just coming in like, you know, being super salty about it and being angry. Again, these are all signs. And and I'm saying this person to person. These are signs of emotional immaturity that is not going to be a a productive contribution to our community so again had you had after i banned you uh you could have been upset taken a few days reached back out to me we could have had a conversation kind of like we're having now and
5: we would have we would have made it
0: (laughs) i would have worked it out but there's so many red flags that i just don't see how we we could have you back in the community and have you uh be productive If, if if and i don't expect you to do this now but Take time to reflect on what I'm saying. Come back to me in a week, and if I actually see that you could acknowledge, you know, where you went wrong, as I've done here today, where I've where I've gone wrong, then I'd be happy to have another conversation to to bringing you back into the community. But there's going to need to need to be an acknowledgement of of wrongdoing and and speak? a dedication to improving.
5: Can I speak now?
0: Yeah, all oh, you. Yeah.
5: Uh, yeah, so I I I admit that that I that I was I was wrong when I first came on to to use certain terms, and I and when I and I moderated those terms, and but but you're accusing me of of, of misinterpreting people's things, but but I didn't misinterpret anything besides when, when I'm dealing with you, you're 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 saying I'm misinterpreting you, so like I don't I don't like I I I really. Just feel like this. I'm bitter. I'm bitter about the whole situation because I've never. I, I'm a. I'm a decent guy. I'm a good person. I. I. In, in every other area of my life, I. I'm dealt with fairly, and I deal with others fairly. And I feel like I was screwed over here. And that's. And you. You should be able to understand why. After I'm banned, and I'm having a private conversation with you, and you're. And you're. And you're being like, kind of, kind of like high and mighty, and saying, you know, you. You. I. I. You know, there are things. I, if you want to go through that conversation with me, I could just point that out to you. Where you were, you were you were triggering like you were you were like you were you were throwing things at me as well so it's like a two way street you can't just like attack a, you know you can't just attack a person and say oh you, you know you say all these things and i i, I could not i totally could acknowledge when i was wrong when i'm when i'm wrong about something i even said to you i i would, under, would have understood of being put on a breather if i was if i was approached and just said oh you might you, you know you have to be on a breather for for a thing this is what happens here and like you know you, in a few days you could come back and try to be more I, I, I'm reasonable. I mean, you're 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 presenting me as an un, totally unreasonable, totally, like whatever crazy, off the wall person that that is. Meanwhile, to tell you the truth, Adar, on on your server, I had some very meaningful conversations with others in private on that server that were on the other side of the issue, and I had very meaningful com- that were totally not combative, totally constructive. And, and, and I, and I, and I posted some videos and Paul responded to me that he would, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not like just going on there to, 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 to make people, upset. but that, that woman that left that as a moderator, she was quite nasty with me, quite nasty with me. The moment I came onto that server. And I have a right to, 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 to just because, you know, you want you want the demographics to be a certain way. And you're upset that you lost one of your people. You know, that's that's not my that's not my problem. Like, you know, she, she attacked me. She accused me of not wanting Palestinians to exist. All these different things that I never even said. And it was very, very hurtful. And she's saying you know, you're not going to come on here and everybody's not going to agree with you. And all, and all these things you can imagine. I'm already I'm already building up resentment towards towards, the, you know, towards that situation. But I just I wanted to still stay on the community because I want to be involved in positive and constructive conversations. But on the other hand, I'm being attacked. It's like it's like you, you didn't—you don't give a person enough chance. You like, like you like you. I just feel—I—I I feel I was dealt dealt with unfairly. And I and I couldn't have reached out to you again because you took me off as a friend. So in the middle, when I was conversing with you and DMing you, you, you took me off. I, I wrote good night, Adar, and then I said, "Oh, this message didn't go through because the person, you know, doesn't have you as a friend." You think I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you as a friend to, to DM you again and reach out when you already took me off? <laughs> I mean, come on! You're you, you're you're doing things that are contradictory to what you're saying. Like you know, it's like it's. I, I, you know, you you have a right not to have me on your solo thing, but I have a right to be very upset about it. And and I feel that I that I would have been a constructive med, uh, member and that I, I was coming with in good faith. And, you know, I, I felt like I was and, and you agree with that 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 shaded your judgment. And you're and you're assuming that I probably would have been banned at a certain later date. He's like, I, you're sure you wouldn't have been banned then, but you probably because there are so many red flags. I mean, it's just I. I when I was speaking with many members on that site, and we were going back and forth in different channels, they didn't say that say to me there were say to me there were red flags. They didn't say anything. To, they didn't say anything to me like you know. And I, I've even been talking to Beast Process lately, and the, and the guy with the Arabic. I don't know. I don't know his name because it's the Arabic. Uh, and we we had a constructive private conversation. Like it takes a little time for people to get to get to know each other, and to you know, it's like you have to give some leeway. I I think I think that the initial experience that I had when i came on that that made everything bad because you know, i i i was dealt with unfairly and then then that that what uh, so whatever her name is i forget it it's sultana suhana she left and she was upset because i was defending myself against her attacks against me i mean come on like you know it's not, it's not right i see plenty yeah. of you know that's what that is so so uh, well that's basically where i'm coming from i i i hear what you're saying and you want me to uh, I, I admit that I, I admit that i used uh, uh, um unfortunate language at the very beginning i admit that uh, and i admit that I admit, I, I see that you you think that I'm misinterpreting what 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 people are saying. I just I I, I and and uh, I mean, I, I I I see the words that you type. If someone types words to you that can be interpreted, you know, I, I feel I, I feel I'm being misinterpreted as well. I mean. It's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's, it's not, you, it's it's a very easy thing to say, oh, you're misinterpreting people. You're misinter-. uh, it, it's, it's very easy to say that, but I, I, I haven't had anyone else say that, that to me that you're misinterpreting what I'm saying to me besides you.
0: I hear you. Um, I, I will show you examples, but uh, again, I, I do acknowledge that you were treated unfairly. And I apologize that that's what happened to you. Then that was your experience in the community. I do hope that you reflect on the feedback I gave you. And if you want, we can speak again in a week and reassess what what the best way moving forward is. I I think I think this was ultimately a a good conversation, but their work, work and dedication to better discourse is going to need to be had in order for us to to um, to move forward together. But um, I I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. I think ultimately this this was a productive conversation. I am going to bring somebody else on just because we do have a bunch of people waiting. How I but uh, how
5: do I reach out to you because I can't. I'm blocked from like DM. Me. I'll I'll
0: uh I I'll uh I'll message you. Okay, I got you. Uh, no hard feelings, Nate. Be okay. well. Okay. Duvid, what's up?
4: Hey, Shlom. Uh, great to meet you. I I was just random. I've watched your show like ten times. Um, I spoke with Mordecai. And I was just came up on my screen that you were live and I saw you had the link in the chat. So I thought I'd, uh, say hi.
0: Oh, cool. What well, what's on your mind?
4: Um, nothing much. I'm in Metro Detroit. I'm a streamer. I'm kind of like a failed Karate Bolchuba. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, Zionism, I see, you know, kind of disasters happening in the Jewish community fissures and, uh, you just uh, lack of communication, lack of conversation, hard to create, uh, you know, Israeli politics, uh, but uh, you know, on all levels, and you know, like I I, I know that you know Rashida Talib's people here, and I was just talking on a different stream about Andy Levin and and uh, you know, famous uh, Carl Levin's nephew, and you know, he's being called an anti-Semite now for defending Ilan Omar, and uh, yeah, I think things really got out of hand, and so I like. I, I I didn't prepare anything. I just saw your live and I say, like, I'm glad you're doing your show. Um, you know, whatever you're dealing with, streaming's tough work. I started out promoting Judaism, like Chabad, and just teaching people how to do Friday night prayers. And I ended up pretty prominent debating anti-Semites, you know, largely from people trolling my channel. But now I'm no, more known for arguing with anti-Semites. And I'm actually the one who hooked up uh, uh, Mordecai to debate Adam Green. I, oh, cool. I, I debated Joseph uh, Cohn, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks. And uh, sure, yeah, I'm not uh, sure what, what you got going on, but uh, that, you know, I, I was saying maybe you should talk to religious anti-Zionists or uh, if not now, you know, type, type people. Cause I think, uh, you know, the, the anti-Zionism is very strong among, you know, Jews. I lived in Borough Park and even went to anti, I was in Babab Yeshiva, the same Yeshiva as Mordecai. And you know, pretty anti-Zionist there. And now I see in Metro Detroit, like if not now, and the younger generation, um, I don't know if I say anti-Zionism is becoming the norm, uh, but it's it's growing. And I think it, we're almost at the point where we're waging war against each other and not having conversations. So it, you, you know, randomly, if you want to talk, we can a few minutes. But I just want to say, uh, you know, thanks for streaming, thanks for trying to do this, and obviously it's tough work.
0: Yeah, uh, thank you. Your name's David.
4: Duvid. I, I'm David Kelton in Metro Detroit. Uh, yeah, I usually yeah, just okay. go by Duvid because I'm more, uh, you know, it's it's dangerous uh, to be a streamer, especially, uh, you know, debating counter Semites. But uh, so it's usually safer. I, I just go I by. And, and I created my channel to promote Judaism, actually. Uh, so cool. that's why I called my channel.
0: Well, I, I appreciate the, the words of encouragement. Th- this little session is uh, giving people an opportunity to come on and uh, criticize uh, me or the platform. But uh, words of encouragement are cool too. Uh, I'd be happy to discuss a collaboration at some point. So uh, if you re- reach out to me, uh, my, my info's in the description, let's, let's talk and see what we could do together. I'd also be happy to debate Adam Green, but it seems like he doesn't want to debate a secular humanist Jew. It's.
4: Yeah, he was I, I kind of uh, frequently. In fact, I'm here in Metro Detroit and Sherman wine, uh, you know, the founder Is, of humanistic, says, uh, humanistic Judaism. And I, I'm a Bolchew. I went to uh basically a secular humanistic school that was founded by Jews, but it was like 20% Jewish. Uh, But yeah, I think Adam green would almost definitely have you on the show. And I'm the rare guy who defended. I I didn't think Adam green was anti-semitic. And unfortunately um, it's probably the level of like Adam green's voicing probably, you know, like 10, 20% of Americans are, are asking the questions of the same thing. Adam green has, and if you if Adam Green's anti-Semitic, then like 20 percent of America's anti-Semitic and we're in bad situation.
0: I, I hear that. I, I reached I reached that conclusion just because Mordecai tried to uh, get me on his show and he rejected. So I, I figured that, you know, Cause wow. of me.
4: Cause, I think because because uh, I'm the only one that uh, defends him against anti-Semitism. Okay. So if you went through Mordecai, he probably figured that you're just going to call him an anti-Semite. Mm. OK, well. Okay, so uh, yeah. I'll reach out to you. I appreciate yeah, having him on, and, cool. uh, and uh, keep up the good work.
0: Thanks for reaching out, David. Uh, re- reach out to me on uh, one of my social media platforms. We'll continue chatting. Okay, we'll do. Cool. Mossad, what's up, man?
6: Oh, yeah, uh, I wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I think I w- I wanted to complain in a more general way because uh, I think uh, what sure. Nate has has come up against is basically a problem that I don't know if you can even solve because we are all biased and you're just very biased to the left uh, you know you may not think you're very far left but that is my impression which is you know that's cool I mean I'm sure you thought of your, about your, your your opinions and you can justify them or at least try to um, but that bias causes you to see someone who disagrees with you as what you call unproductive, or hateful, or even racist, because this is what the left has been doing. And I don't know if if it would be any different if the right controlled, uh, you know, if it was the right, it would probably be the same. But at the moment, it's the left that is doing that. The, 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 there is a tendency to block people on the right. Uh, there's a high sensitivity. People on the right have to self-censor all the time. Um, where people on the left, less so i mean they do too but less so um and this is what Nate, i mean Nate Nate was kind of going on about about his specific case but i think it's it's just a general thing where certain opinions are considered hateful but to me they're totally valid and i think that uh the the leftist opinion is is i wouldn't say hateful but destructive so you know so if you if you keep Thinking that right-wingers are the the bad ones, the ones that if, if there were no right-wingers, there wouldn't be war. You misunderstand the world. It doesn't work like that, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, so... I hear you. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I think you... Oh, sorry, just one
6: more thing about, completely. just sorry, I forgot because I wanted to say it first, but this guy that that phoned from uh, Canada that was saying, people are saying death to Arabs, I mean, that's disgusting. Life, please, life to Arabs, health, uh, prosperity and happiness to Arabs. (laughs) No, no death. Cool, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you're saying that. Yeah, but I think look, that's a majority opinion in Israel. People don't want Arabs dead. I mean, you know, that, that's we, true. We, it have, is, we, have a, we have a big argument with them and a dispute, but I don't think we want them dead. You know, I don't definitely.
0: I think so, those who will be vocal about wanting them dead are a minority, but um, yeah. per, perhaps too significant of a minority. It's not extremely. It's not as fringe as I'd like it to be. Um, but just just about your feedback, I do think you have. A false a, a false image of me what me being far left so I, I don't like the left-right paradigm because it, it doesn't give you a great understanding of how people view things but if you take my criticism of Israel it's true that comes off as far left my criticism is similar to the far left except yes. I'm very adamant about um, Israel having a right to exist and calling for Israel's destruction being harmful right so that's where I'm probably quite different from the far left when it comes to uh, what when it comes to like free markets and a social safety net you know I definitely am left of center I think we should have a social safety net but I do value free markets I think they're great at solving certain problems Um, and I do I'm very critical of authority which is something that both the left and the right do depending on where you where you are oriented on, on the spectrum
6: yeah, I'm um, critical of authority too. So.
0: But I, I do want to tell you something because when it comes to the woke left, which are huge on um, censorship, shutting down conversation, um, assuming the worst of somebody's intentions, I am so in opposition to all that stuff. And I feel like that's almost your your impression of me. If a right winger disagrees with me, I I welcome that discussion that's why i had Mordechai on for for a debate uh we i I knew his his views are very different for me i have no problem with that the people who are getting um put on breathers in chat are ones who are saying actually hateful stuff like whether it's a group generalization of of people whether it's a personal attack these are the people who are put on breathers it's not it's not People critici- criticizing ideas on the merits of ideas. Yeah, but I, it's I, your
6: bias that that sees. You know, it's like your the your place on the scale is where you judge what is hateful from. You are less likely to see a leftist opinion is hateful, than than well, a right uh, uh, opinion. Well, again, is but and that's not the fault of yours. You know, it's every we all like that. No, so no, but not Mossad, a, it's know, not, you're not superhuman.
0: Do, do you know? First of all, it, it's true. I have bias, of course. I'm a human, but. If you look, we we only have 12 people who are banned from the YouTube channel. That's it, 12. The majority of them are anti-Semites. The people here who came spreading like Nazi propaganda. Yeah,
6: but that doesn't mean anything because there's like, you know, um, many more anti-Semites than Israelis, (laughs) Israeli right-wingers. So those those, those proportions don't mean a thing. You know, it's it's, it's just a general thing that happens. I've noticed it happened to, I mean, to give an example of your bias. You literally thinking that you need more women on the channel, to me, is left-wing bias. Because to me, it should be organic. If a woman wants to speak, great, let her speak. But if I wouldn't change, I wouldn't make any effort to bring more women or more white people or yellow people or short people or fat people. Whoever comes and has... Want to express their opinion, especially if it's interesting, then let them come on. I mean, but so
0: that's um, that's a leftist thinking. Yeah, you see, that's, no, 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 for sure, for sure. That that's an ideological an ideological disagreement between us. I, I don't know. If no, but I'm not
6: against against women coming. Please do. No, you, you, I you just don't think you, them, you, you
0: know. Right. So uh, again, th- I don't know if this is bias per se. This is just an ideological di- disagreement. I can back is, up why. It is why a bias.
6: It is a bias because it ends up allowing more uh, uh, rejecting men to favor women. So there will be 10 million women who want to come out, come on and a hundred men. And those 10 will get to, but out of those hundred, only 10 you're, men will get you,
0: to. You're, you're, so it's you're, like you're creating well, a bias, a no, bias but, situation but from Masad, the start. You're, you're talking about a problem in, you're, you're addressing a criticism of, of something like affirmative, affirmative action, but that's not how it would play out on the show. We don't have a long list of men who aren't coming on the show.
6: No, I know, but that's that's just a general point. That kind of thinking. But 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 again,
0: again, this is a case by this is a case by case basis. I've I've heard the. I was trying to make
6: more general points rather than attacking personally because Nate was going on about his personal issue with you. I was trying to make this general point where you know it's not just you, but you know the left assumes that their position is the is the center and they they always hate to say, "Oh, well, I don't like left and right because they want to think that they are in the center. we all do to be honest, but but they they kind of by by rejecting opinions that are outside your kind of Overton window, whatever you want to call it, is hate they're not always hate i mean i can I can go through stuff you say and say, "Oh, to me, that's hateful because the consequences of what you say will be death to my family, so to me that's hateful but I mean, we can define all sorts of things as hateful. To, sure, I mean, no, no. Take it to uh, anything, th- you know. Th- that's true. That's, that's true. And, and, and this is a problem. And, and on top But, of it, but, but YouTube Masada... YouTube is making it hard as well. So it, the whole debate is moving, is veering leftwards and leftwards and leftwards to so the point where people think that right-wingers hate Palestinians. I don't hate Palestinians. I, I wish them the best. I, I absolutely do not hate them. There's no M- reason Masada. for me to hate all these people. They never done anything to me personally.
0: Massad I I just want to again no I just feel like a a lot of the criticism is criticism you have of the left in general but I actually do not think that is quite I I don't think that's quite the case so it's true that it's true that again I have bias 100 percent but and your criticism is how loosely hate is interpreted right it's like oh that you know racism um Whatever you know how like the woke left does, they'll call yeah. anything hate. Um, speech is hate, and silence is violence, right? Yes. Speech is violence, and silence is violence. So it's like, what, what are you left to do? Just conform to what they want you to do, right? Yeah. I, I hear you, but we we have a we have a criteria. We try to follow it. Our bias doesn't allow us to follow it hundred um, percent, but we do try to work by a cr- criteria. So group generalization. So for example, Starhopper uh, often, if a Palestinian is speaking. Starhappel will say you tried to kill us. He will say you because they're Palestinian. But it, so he's attributing the collective to an individual. That's okay, not so cool. That,
1: that's
6: right. true, but that's true to an extent. But many times when you say you, you're just generalizing. The, the, the,
0: no, no, you, I, I know, the, but I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm not cool with that. So, so he should. Yeah. He should find a way to express himself better. He should say. He should say um, there has been a lot of. Um, calls for israel's destruction in palestinian society this is why we don't feel safe this is why we need we feel the need to defend ourselves cool say that but when when a guest is speaking he says it's your fault you did this you brought this upon yourself okay no we're not cool with that that here again there could be some bias involved but we do have a criteria so personal attacks group generalizations or just being unnecessarily inflammatory which i guess is the most up for interpretation we try to get these people out of here because Internet is a toxic cesspool, by and large. Go on Twitter, yeah. go on YouTube comment section. We don't want, we, we want our contribution, Sulha's contribution to the world, is to be positive. And so we don't want to foster a toxic environment, yeah, the, even even, to even in the chat.
6: You have to understand that what you see as positive, someone like me sees as negative. Uh, well, uh, again, so, right, the, the, so, there's so, going to so, be interpretation, for sure. Uh, and for so, sure. therefore, what you see as negative is me. <laughs> My opinions you see as negative. We'll probably agree on certain things, but if we go M- Masad, to Masaj, you've never distance.
0: been put on a breather. You have never been put on a breather, so...
6: No, but you, I'm just... Uh, because I know how to be careful, okay? You know, well, but, but it, it, no, it's, be, it's because you know how to
0: engage I in a self, way that,
6: that... No, I self-censor a lot more than leftists have to. It's have to. just, just a fact. I can see them getting away with stuff that I know if I wrote the same thing, I will, I will be blocked. Not just here, just generally by YouTube or by moderators. They will jump on me and tell me that I'm hateful and start arguing with me. And I can't be bothered with that. I just block them. <laughs> I just block them. I just to everyone who starts annoying me, you have two seconds before I block you. Say something right. nice. <laughs> so...
0: To, to be honest, I haven't actually seen you be hateful. We we don't, we don't obviously don't no, agree on a lot. No, I don't want to be hateful. No, no, no. I, I've actually not seen you. I don't think your rhetoric is hateful. I think the past few days you've made some false accusations about the channel myself, but I, I don't view you. I, I don't think you've been hateful. And that's why you short-hand. haven't been put up.
6: On- it was short You know when you type, it's like you get angry and you type as quick as I, you can. In yeah, the shortest yeah. sentence you can. So...
0: but so but so just recognize that again it's not the disagreements aren't isn't what's getting people banned right so you haven't been hateful that's why you've never been put on a breather you haven't been banned so there definitely is a way to navigate and and again maybe you feel like you're you're walking on eggshells but we're we're pretty uh, again you feel like you're walking on eggshells in this space or in general in what you consider to be left left left-wing spaces
6: I mean first on this channel yes uh, especially depending on which mods are active I don't know maybe the mod that left that got upset with Nate is a mod that would have got angry with me but youtube is blocking me I have to change words I have and I'm not saying I know you, I know you know they block me from saying words because I got uh, I got into some argument defending black people and now I can't write the word black Every time I write anything with the word "black," I, yes, I, so uh, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> I'm happy you're bringing this up. So, chat, I, I want to make this very clear. We we don't delete comments uh, unless, like, so, someone wrote a very nasty comment about one of our guests. I deleted that because I just I know that our guests read the comments, and I didn't want them to be insulted. If it was a legit critique, I would have kept it there. But YouTube deletes so many comments, and some of them aren't even problematic, like. YouTube algorithm picks up on certain words and and deletes stuff. so what I would suggest people do is take your comment and put it in notes before posting it, and then if it gets deleted, try to change the wording to post it again because YouTube is like YouTube is like authoritarian as fuck when it comes to uh, to, to censorship it's It's wild, it's,
6: and they it's don't even insane, give you right?
0: as a channel the right to decide like to be more lax, yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's messed up. Mustafa, um, I do it's want to crazy, bring on. I think
6: um, thanks for I, listening. I, but I think I, it's something for you to maybe think about in general, because um, I think, uh, and I mentioned this in, uh, you know, I was writing that that this you're seeing the world in a very American way. You know, I've been I've been I've been living in, in Europe and a bit in America. You see the world in a very American way. America is an unusual country where different ethnicities created a country effectively. And the country was set up in a, in a certain way, and you're all made to think that way. But most of the countries of the world are not like that. They're built around an ethnicity, and and you you think in in a different mode to to, to how this. And people have you know have joked about it in different ways before with you and uh, you know this. I hear this. This is a repeating theme, and it's something. It's really hard to get out of that mindset because I'm an Israeli in in, in you know in um, England and I can't get off my Israeli mind you know and I have to adjust myself to fit into the English state of how you behave so it's it's really hard but you have to to keep thinking about that you know you have to wonder I think you, you grew up in America and the, and the American ideal which is beautiful there's nothing wrong with it it's, it's sort of stuck in your mind Sorry, I'm taking too much time, so I'll let the next guy go.
0: Yeah, go, I, I, do wanna, I do want um, let, to let other people on, but I, I appreciate this conversation. And, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll do these chats more often. I, th- I think they're ultimately healthy. So thanks That's for great. sticking Thank around, Masad. Yeah. Talk
6: soon. Though. Thanks.
0: Um, I, we're going to let some more on Atrefy. I see by your, like, uh, hand motions that you really want to get on, but we do have other people. What one quick thing, okay, it's gonna be fifteen seconds.
3: okay. The point I want to make is to respond to the women on this. The kind of people who act in this way in the chat drive women off more because the cost for women for engaging in online hate, the cost for them, the risks for them are higher. That's why they don't do it. The amount of hate they get from this kind of crowd, which frankly some of the guests were like that, is much more dangerous for them than it is for a man i'm a man i can defend myself i like i don't have the social pressures if somebody goes and doxes me it's not going to be as dangerous that is the main issue one of the main issues of why they don't come on as much and frankly it's one of the reasons why i'm the face of an organization rather than the two-thirds of women who are part of it because they don't want to have this kind of violence directed at them basically
0: right no no Th- thanks h i actually I, I think that's one of the reasons why we have less women coming on because they the attacks against them are way harsher i i've, I've noticed that that when women voice controversial or strong opinions they get a lot more hate than w- what i get for example for for doing them so i hear you
3: i am, I, I just want to say that and I, yeah, yeah. I didn't even listen to anything else Mossad said and his uh okay. identitarianism
0: <laughs> Th- thank you h uh, cool, F- Fremont, What's up? Hello. Hey, Can you hear me? You know, yeah. Th- you know, this is cool. This is kind of like a call-in radio show, but uh, on YouTube, we're doing it. Yeah. What's uh, up, Vermont? Cool. What's on your mind?
7: Uh, I discovered the channel long ago. Uh, it's nice. I like it. I'm French. I am neither Jew nor Arab, nor Palestinian, nor Muslim, nor anything. I'm educating myself uh, on this. um uh, situation let's say and there was one point that surprised me almost shocked me that you talked about that in france if you would say there is a a, even saying it sounds freaking weird a jewish g that that sounds very (laughs) anti-semitic i mean you you would be labeled far right uh, close to nazi for just saying it and hearing on your channel that it's a total normal thing to talk. And and of course, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, there's a small group of people living in some area 2,000 years ago when there was not so much uh, interbreeding. Okay, apart from the brutal custom of that time, you know, when there was, um, uh, well, the people were attack all the tribes and take women from that area and interbreed. So, yeah, the, the, there would be interbreed, interbreeding, but not that much, I guess. So, of course, a group of people in the... In an area, well, yeah, they have a common gene that like Dan have, like, uh, Caribs have, like, uh, and everything. But the, the the sentence, that sounded so weird. And I wondered, well, does that mean anything to you? And is it not anti-Semitic? Yeah,
0: so th- this is a good good question and not so easy to answer. The Jewish gene is problematic because that's kind of how Hitler viewed Jews, right? Yeah, Hitler's that's that... crazy. Hitler said, Jews aren't just a religion, they're a people. Uh, even if you're an atheist Jew, we still will will round you up. But that doesn't mean that there isn't uh, genes. And gene, genes are complex. It's not just that there's a Jewish gene. It's that in doing DNA tests, um, you, you can see if somebody is ethnically Jewish. So Judaism is a religion, but it's also a meta-ethnicity. So a um, a collection of of a few different ethnicities that, that seem to have a common heritage. Um, so that, that's what we mean by Jewish gene. Now, I don't think it's a particularly interesting conversation. Often the Jewish gene conversation is brought up because someone will say, um, Jews have no connection to the land, right? They'll say, you got zero connection to the land. Um, and then a, a response would be, not only do we have uh, historically and culturally, but if you look at an Ashkenazi Jew like myself, you'll see that Ashkenazi Jewish DNA is 50% Levantine, so 50% from the Middle East. So that is a response to people saying Jews don't have connection to land. Another time Jewish DNA is brought up, which I also think it's not a good argument, is saying, uh, you know, Jews deserve the right to Israel because look at our genes. Uh, again, I don't think that's a strong argument. Um and then I think where Jewish genes are most relevant is in, um, is in just genetics and uh, pharmacology. So there's, for example, Jews have certain, um, Ashkenazi Jews primarily have certain like genetic diseases that they're way more uh, common to have. So it, it's, uh, it's not uncommon when Jews, when two Ashkenazi Jews get married and are going to have children that they get genetic tests to see that they both don't have um, the Tay-Sachs gene, which is quite common amongst Ashkenazis. So in, in in that instance, it actually is important. There's a benefit to understanding that um, th- there are genes that that Jews are more likely to have um, in in their DNA. Um, so I, I hope that kind
7: I of gives re- you. Re- um, I, I have. I, I'm searching it on the internet. I'll say that in English. But that drepanocytosis. If you are black, you have more chances to get drepanocytosis.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it's similar to that, okay. right? So there are genes that are more common in certain uh, ethnic. ethnic Ethnic groups, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. But but I, it's I, not particularly important. Like somebody who's constantly talking about I, youth, you. I, I was wondering it, flag. That,
7: but, but thanks for your answer. I think I, I get it. Okay, it, it makes sense. It's not something like you you base your uh, I mean worldview would be a big sentence, but your uh, uh, appreciation of your kind between bracket claim to. To no, I don't. I don't find the part it's not, it's not something foreign. like that. Okay, that, no. that's reassuring, really, <laughs> because I mean, if I didn't hear that from Israeli Jews, somebody you can't, I mean, technically can't say they are anti-Semitic, and I would not know who said that. I would, I would be like, "Wow, that's that that's that's freaking Nazi." But okay, no, it's just okay. You looked it up, and you realize that, yeah, on a pharmaceutical point of view. It's practical. It makes kind sense.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. No,
0: th- th- that's true. That is a point that I actually didn't bring it up. You, somebody who is like, you could be a Jewish supremacist and then also constantly be focusing on genes, being like the Jewish genes are somehow supreme. Right. That too would be a red flag. So there's a lot of instances in which Jewish genes would be brought up where you could see it as a red flag for something. Um, not inherently. It, it just depends on the, on the context of the conversation. Um, I'm going to bring on uh, someone else, Fremont. You have any? Okay. Well,
7: thank you. I was just wanted to say that it's it's a nice channel. And muchos besos, gros bisous. Si tu viens en Normandie, n'hésite pas, je te ferai découvrir le coin. Ah, yes, and one more thing. Just one more thing with a lot of love. I mean, there are two nations who are the most stupid on this planet. It's England and France. We had a 100 years old war. Please don't beat us and just get along, guys. Thank you very True. much.
0: True. I don't want well, uh, to be forgotten. Thank you.
7: Bye.
0: Um, I just want to take this super chat. Matthew K, $10. Thank you so much. Anyone getting blocked is immature and too focused on proving their point rather than actually contributing to a constructive debate. Don't loop a door in with wokeness. Cancel culture doesn't apply here. I agree. I agree. And I appreciate the, the, the words of uh, encouragement. I appreciate that. Um, all right, we're gonna. I, I do want to wrap it up. We're going on two and a half hours. We will bring on two more people, and then we're gonna sign off. Uh, Near, what's up? Hi, can you hear me good? Yep, loud and clear.
8: Okay, so I live in Israel, and I consider myself a left Zionist. For me, what that means is that we do have a right for self determination in Israel that doesn't mean that the Palestinian does, don't have the same right because they are bo- we are both indigenous to this land. What I want to ask you are two questions. The first one is about anti-Semitism. Do you think there is a chance that it will fade out in the next, let's say, 20 to 30 years? And the second question is, do you think Somehow we can change the way the world views Zionism, or how people say Zionnazism or something like that. Because I really think Zionism is a great idea. It's like I I view myself as a Zionist in my heart. It, it pains me to see um, such bad things said about Zionism in Israel and Israel because. Even though uh, people think that that uh, left left uh, people don't like Israel, that's not true. I love my country. That doesn't mean uh, that I have to hate Palestinians to hate Palestinians to, to love it. That's that's my view.
0: Yeah, good good questions. Um, I don't think anti-Semitism is going to disappear anytime soon. It's hard for me to predict anything, uh, Nir, I'm going to mute you just because I'm getting an echo. Cool. Um, but it really is hard to predict anything a few decades in the future, just because of how fast things are actually really changing. You know, we don't we don't really know what the world is going to look like. And I I think often forms of hate are not aren't created in a vacuum. They're they're connected to environmental conditions which cause people to lash out at at different groups for one way or another. Generally. If you're a happy person, if you're doing well socioeconomically, if you have meaning in life, you're not going to be hateful. So if the world evolves to a place where people have meaning and people aren't struggling to survive, then I think naturally you're going to have a lot less forms of group hate. And I'm, I'm hopeful we could bring the world to, to that point. When it comes to viewing Zionism differently, um... I think that would, I don't think we're going to win any PR war. I think like how Hasbara is doing it, just trying to justify what Israel does and saying defense this, this and that. I don't think that's ever going to be a winning, a winning argument. I think people would, would be able to get on board with Zionism when the conflict is solved, uh, because currently they view a lot of human rights abuses done in the name of Zionism. What I what I suggest, and I think this might be the, the single best way to get people okay with Zionism, is actually to not use the term. I'm not sure the term Zionism is needed, because if if we're going to say Zionism is just the right to Jewish self-determination, why does that need a special word, right? I, I support Jewish self-determination. I support Palestinian self-determination. I support Kurdish self-determination. I support people's right to self-determine. We don't need a a special term to describe that form of self-determination. It's true that the, the history of Zionism, it, was, it didn't just mean self-determination. It was a very specific political movement. And most people who are anti-Zionist are not against Jewish self-determination. They're against that political movement, um, which wanted an exclusive Jewish state on land that had other inhabitants. So when anti-Zionists are viewing Zionism differently from how we are identifying as Zionists. So my suggestion is to just make the claim, I think Jews have a right to self-determine. Jews have a right to a homeland. Jews have a right to be safe in that homeland. I think that's a much easier case to be made than try to defend the Z word, which they view as like inherently like hateful. It's just an unnecessary uphill battle. So that, that's my suggestion for how to have these conversations. I, I don't I don't use the term Zionist when I'm engaging with people. I just say why, why wouldn't you support Jewish self-determination? What's wrong with that? People deserve that right. And generally, people, people agree with, with that.
8: Okay, so you don't use the word, but the word Zionist, but do you, in a sense, consider yourself a Zionist?
0: So if we're using Zionism as, as I'm going to meet you again. If we mean Jewish self-determination, then yeah, I'm a Zionist. I, I support Jewish self-determination. If you mean Zionism, the the political Zionism, which which has a very troubling history and is still used today to justify um, certain policies, then that's no. I'm not that Zionist. I support Jewish self determination. Um, But again, when when I go and tell somebody I'm a Zionist, if they're if that person's a Zionist, then they'll they'll be like, yeah, I get you. If that person's anti-Zionist, they're going to think there's something inherently racist or wrong with me. And we're starting the conversation from a place of deep bias. It's it just the conversation is going to be less productive. And it's not so it's not a now is it not a particularly useful word, but it, it, it gets in the way of having good conversation. So I just don't use it. I, I don't think it's needed. So when I'm uh,
8: do so when I talk to someone and I say that I'm a Zionist, I usually explain what Zionism is. I mean, I I tell them that, that there's left Zionism, right Zionism, religious Zionism, uh, secular Zionism, and it it makes the 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 person I'm talking to more open to the idea of the Jewish right for to self determination. Um. So I'm. I'm not against you. I, I don't think we should stop using what you call the the Z world because I don't see see nothing wrong with 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 Zion with uh, with going back to Zion to Jerusalem. But uh, yeah, I understand the, it. It triggers people. That's the, that's the that's the thing. It troubles me that it trigger it uh, triggers people, but uh, we'll manage. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. We could just have different strategies to how to have discourse. For my experience, I've seen that normally, when a Zionist and anti-Zionist speak, the they're speaking past each other. The Zionist is going to say why Jews deserve self-determination, and the anti-Zionist is going to explain why they can't support self-determination that looks the way Zionism has looked the past seventy or even a hundred plus years. So it seems like the it, it brings a conversation into like a very philosophical point uh to a very philosophical place and it's just a less productive conversation but if you're successfully having these conversations then you know I, I won't tell you not to have them it's just what i've experienced in uh engaging in in this type of uh, discourse um, okay thank you i yeah, for, really for sure. Really Nir, th- you th- thank you near and if you haven't joined our discord yet um you should join it oh I great awesome. awesome so we'll continue chatting there thank you near and last but certainly not least, P-Ball, Our fan favorite. P-Ball, Are you here? You're on mute. Yeah, yeah. Hello. What's what's up, man?
9: Yeah, so like um about Nate, like um like uh on on his first um like on, on his first on on his first day on uh, on the server, like he was he was like kind of like I don't know. He was aggressive, like, like me and Dzen were like, um, like talking with him. Like we, we were like joking with him, you know. We were just saying something like Israel doesn't have the right to exist, and like he, he was taking it so much seriously, you know. It's like, and he, he actually, um, uh, he, he, he 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 called us like he, he called us like terrorists and children just because we were joking with him, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, but people, uh, you should be able to understand why that's very inflammatory to to someone, especially if they don't know you, right? They just joined the server, and if you say as it, you said it was a, a, as a joke. Israel doesn't have a right to exist. You know how, how does he know you're joking? Like obviously, that's gonna offend somebody.
9: Yeah, true. Yeah. I I know that, but like it's it's kind of like we 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 made it to him obvious that we were joking, but still he, he didn't understand like. Yeah,
0: I'm not- Yeah. Well, you, you know, we 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 save the jokes for the playground channel just so we don't have these uh misinterpretations, right?
9: Yeah, we were messaging him on playground, I think. Yeah. On Play- Yeah, on playground. No, I don't no,
0: I don't think it was there. It was in one of the discussion channels, but um look, I I I hear you. I mean, you you should be able to understand why he would be offended by that. Similar to let's say you just join a Discord, you don't know anybody there, and then an Israeli says uh, there's no such thing as Palestine. You know, you wouldn't like that.
9: Yeah, true. But like, um, like, yeah, I, I understand why he, he was he was kind of angry and it was aggressive. But like, he was, um, you know, we we made it to him obvious that we we actually were joking. But he still didn't mm. really. Yeah, I don't, I, like
0: don't that, I don't, I don't, I don't think he uh, he knew that. Uh, people, you want to address something Starhopper just uh, said uh he goes adar P-Ball said that he would be proud to have his kids be martyrs that means he would be proud if they killed you but you're thrilled to see <laughs> <No>. him <laughs> that's the disconnect with the left right here oh
9: um, uh, wow. so um like that 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 was a comment on um uh, on one of uh you know Corey Gil's videos like he was like um saying something like um he he was making a comment of uh um he was making like um that palestinians hate uh, like um hate, uh, hate israel more than than they uh, they they like love their children or something like they they're ready to 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 sacrifice their ch- their children to just for for you know like you know it's it's like it's something like if you know you, you it's um what what I was meaning like uh, I told him uh, I I would I would be happy if uh if, if my child was a martyr you know and yeah yeah you were you were
0: engaging in just like you guys were just having a go at each other I guess you were trying to you found him inflammatory you wanted to be inflammatory back
9: um yeah like I hate Starhopper because like he's he's extremely racist you know he's he's right. like you know like he even he even says that we don't even exist you know like uh, the whole you know Palestinian people don't exist like
0: yeah no I you know? I I I could understand why why he would uh why he would uh you would be inflamed by certain things uh Starhopper said without a doubt um but you know, just to do, try to not stoop to people's levels. You know, if somebody is acting shitty, um, you know, you don't need to you don't need to say you want your children to be martyrs unless you actually believe that. But uh,
9: no, I, think, I, uh, I don't really our, believe that. But like, our I, children I deserve he's better. He's like, I like at that time, I I was like, um, like um. I was debating a lot of like right wing Zionists and like I, I, I really like they're like from the far left or whatever from the far the far right like, I, and and I experienced something like they they were very hateful against me so I, I became more hateful you know that that's before right. I joined server you know,
0: so yeah Starhopper I hope that you hear this and that you see that your rhetoric actually. uh, inflames Palestinians, like your your contribution to the activism has not been uh, helpful. It's actually made Palestinians more extreme. Maybe your contribution to -to day-to-day life, maybe your job, maybe your family man, I can't uh, comment on that, but your contribution to activism, Starhopper, has really been one that has on one hand gotten um, Palestinians to be inflamed further Aiding in in their radicalization, and it's also just made people think less highly of uh, of Jewish people because they see how you act. So keep that in mind. You know, I don't I don't think you want to have a a negative contribution to to this yeah, world, also, at least in terms uh, of activism.
9: I, I didn't mean like um like um an attack on like um being martyr. You know, martyring is like being um like you know um being killed in honor of like fighting for your freedom or something like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, no,
0: I, I hear. I hear that.
9: Yeah. I like it, it doesn't have anything to just like attack people and like saying um, he, he will be happy to um, kill you. He, he said something like that in, in his comment.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, OK, we're going to we're going to wrap it up. I do want to take one uh, one comment that I see uh, made by Jake. So, Jake, this is actually a very common uh, misconception, and it's just all around harmful. He Jake goes, Palestinians come from Arabia. They colonized the area through war, so it's true that Arabs colonized the area. The people they conquered were the indigenous people of this land. Those people are today Palestinians. So, it's true that they did intermarry. So, Palestinians are part Arab, and their culture is certainly has been Arabized, but. They are the indigenous population like us. Many Palestinians uh, used to be Jews or Samaritans or another uh, indigenous group to this land who was colonized and then converted to Islam. But it's not that the Arabs came, killed it, and kicked everybody out. And then those are the Arabs. That's not that's not the case. Palestinians today, if you trace their their bloodline back, it goes back thousands. Not not all. Right. You did have immigration, but many Palestinian bloodline goes thousands of years back on this land the same way Jews Jews have it this so you know we often say that Jews and Muslims are cousins uh, biblically speaking right you have um, um, uh, Is- Ishmael and um, and Isaac right um, but but we're actually brothers we're long lost siblings brothers and sisters because it's not just that uh, we're, we're cousins through uh, Uh, Isaac and Ishmael, we actually come from the same people who for the past few thousand years have just had lived very different lives. And now we're reconnected, fighting with one another. But we should see that as our commonality that connects us. And saying that uh, Palestinians come from Arabia is the same thing, like saying that Jews are just European colonizers and have no connection to the land. We need to stop erasing people's connection to the land. It's just not helpful.
9: Yeah, like both both people are are indigenous to the land, you know. Like, um, yeah, denying, we're both indigenous. Um, That's indigenous we have to people, comment, yeah. um, indi- Like, they're indigenous. Like, denying that is is um is not gonna work. Like, you're gonna be, you know.
0: Yeah, amen. Cool. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Um. Any uh, any uh, final words, people?
9: No, actually, uh, I was just saying something about Nate's uh, saying uh, and um, about Starhoppers' comment. So
7: yeah.
0: Cool. Well, I'm happy. uh, I'm happy you got to express yourself. As always, it's it's great chatting with you. Uh, We could. I see the chat's still active. We could have an after party. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna join, but we. Whoever wants, I'm going to drop a Discord link. You can join the Discord on the left-hand side. It says Lounge. You click Lounge, and you'll be connected via voice. You don't need to speak or show yourself, but we'll do an after-party there. I just dropped it there. Uh, Yeah, see you all. I I don't know. We're going to have – I guess next Sunday I'm going to be on Israel Advocacy Movement's page debating Joseph Cohen on uh, the Nakba. And – um, we're going to do a live stream sometime next week, probably another a video review where we review and debunk a video. And we don't have a Thursday debate or panel set up yet, but we're working on setting them up. So I hope to see you all there. And uh, yeah, much love. Signing out.